and welcome to El Elsa Fumar Takes. This is our 161st take, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Euless, Texas. I'm your host, Bear Duplissy, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show, a blast from the past, bringing some discussion, some debate, all the way back 100 takes ago. But we're going to look at it with a modern twist, being two years later. But anyway, I'm really excited to have my guest on this show. It's been a long time since I've actually had him, but I'm uh, on the show. And, but I'm and actually a long time since I've actually had a discussion with him. So this is actually going to be a huge personal blast for me too. But I'm going to be able to share a lot of fun with you all tonight. So I'm excited about that. So be sure uh, to stay along here because it's going to be a, a great ride. But before we get to formal introductions, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. And that, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate announced in February the unveiling of the new shelf-friendly boxes from Undercrown Sizes. Okay, the new box design looks almost identical to the award-winning current design, and the boxes continue to contain 25 cigars. The major difference in improvement lies in their shelf-friendly, more compact format. So if you are a fan of the Undercrown Cigars from Drew Estate, now you can fit more into your personal humidors. The new boxes will roll out on the Undercrown lines, including Maduro, Shade, and Sun Grown. Of course, the Flying Pigs, Tubo, and the Corona Pecania will remain unchanged. But this is a, an important thing. If you are a huge fan of the Undercrown sizes, now you can fit even more into your personal humidors at home. So go out and grab out the new boxes of Undercrown from Drew Estate today. Also, tonight's, sponsor, uh, tonight's show is sponsored by Oveja Negra Brands, four unique companies who share a passion to provide innovative cigars for the next generation of cigar enthusiasts. Black Label Trading Company, Black Work Studio, Dissonant, and Emilio are combining premium tobacco with an artisanal touch. Oveja Negra, where art and tobacco collide. Join the flock and visit ovejanegracigars.com to learn more. And we're welcoming a new sponsor tonight. We'll be talking a little bit more about them later. But we are pleased here at Also Fumar Takes to welcome Dunn Barton Tobacco and Trust as a new show sponsor. So check out Dunn Barton Tobacco and Trust, and we'll be talking about them a little bit more later on. But without further ado, welcome. It's our 161st take. Too long of a delay now. Must introduce our guest of honor tonight, Mr. Seth Geis, our developing palate. Seth, how are we doing tonight? We're doing well, man. Thank you for the huge introduction. This is great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic doing sensational it's uh it is a tale of texas you know last month we were under a foot of snow and below freezing and now here we are in uh 70 degree weather and i'm wearing a t-shirt you know it's it's, just, uh, it's back to normal it's texas more normal yeah. exactly exactly so um well so I thought we'd, before we kind of do, I do a little bit of a reversal. Normally I kind of do a little bit of an icebreaker question here to kind of kick us off. Yeah, um, but I, I thought we, because I'm, I brought you in for a, you know, for take 60, a um, hundred takes ago um, for a very special topic. And we're revisiting tonight, but we're looking at it with a, you know, a little bit more recent context and a little bit more of a deeper dive. Um, so I'm, I'm anxious to get, uh, to get uh, our audience cut up to speed on this. So, um, what we did for Take 60 was talk about uh, your proclivity and expertise when it comes to Cuban cigars, which you corrected me right off the bat on the last show, which is Habanos, Bear. We're talking about Habanos. Habanos. So, um, so Seth, really quickly, just kind of talk to everyone about why Habanos cigars have always kind of spoke to you and like what got you into that sect of the premium cigar industry specifically. Oof, man. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I started smoking Habanos 
Um, well, I, I really want to say I started smoking. I had cigars at a really young age. I was living in Europe at the time. So I, we, I smoked Habanos. Um, and then when I came back to the States, you know, I, I went through high school. Um, that's when, <laughs> and then um, when I get back in, you know, when I got into, you know, college again, I started smoking again. Um, and I was just smoking more, I was smoking everything really that was coming out. Um, but, you know, it's, I think throughout anyone's life that they're smoking, you, you inevitably come across people who actually have true Habanos um, and you smoke them. And I began to appreciate them and I just got into them. I liked the flavor profile that came with it. Um, I liked that, you know, eventually I, you know, you, you start reading about it. I like the concept of aging them. Um, so I got into that for a period of time. And then it, it's just a flavor profile that just speaks to me. It's never, it's never too much. Um, it's kind of just always balanced. Um, and then of course, you know, you have some problems here and there, but that's, that's with everything. So that's how I got into Habanos. So, I mean, so, you know, elephant in the room, Seth, why, why do you, I want to get your feeling on this because I've heard it discussed in several other platforms and everything. So, and, and I think it's, I think it's a unique question and I think it's a, an appropriate question because I think, um, you know, for, for Habanos fans like yourself, it, it, there's an acceptance factor that, you know, when we talk about like the quality of Habano cigars, you know, it's like, you know, that the old, the old joke that if you buy a box of 10, you know, that seven are going to be good. <laughs> or, you know, um, one of those you're going to, you're going to get, if you're lucky if you get 50, 50, something along those lines. Yeah. So, something like that. And, and it's, and it's, 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 it's pretty accurate. Right. I mean, for the most part, I mean, I, even big Habanos fans like yourself, I've heard talk about that, but there's this acceptance factor that kind of creeps in with it that like, if like, say, um, you know, um, well, we, what we were talking about before the show, like, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll lump both of them into it. Like, uh, you know, Alec Bradley behind me or diesel behind you, you know, if you crack a box, a box open of, you know, you know, diesel sherry cask and, you know, you know, three out of three out of the 10 are, you know, just, you know, abysmal quality and everything like that. I mean, you're, I mean, you, I know you, you're personally going to give Justin some shit on it, right? <laughs> yes. I, and, I, I would, I would probably give him a hard time. And, and, you know, I mean, and, you know, even, you know, even Alec Bradley had a well-documented case of, 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 yeah. uh, quality uh quality issues that you know they really i mean alan really fell on his sword i mean it was this huge story yeah in in the cigar industry history and uh you know and and they've incredible you know they've rebounded incredibly from it but i mean you know that even that too uh, you know but there's this kind of acceptance level why 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 do you think there is and and, and are, are you one of those habanos fans yeah i think it's the acceptance of imperfection i think it's just the embracing the reality no um i you know i've had some i've had some misses i don't i don't know why i can put it behind me and not worry about it but i i can um i think it's just one of those for a while i think i looked at it from you know probably maybe sarcastically from you know of course there's going to be some imperfections this is coming out of a you know, communist country, they're treating their employees terribly. Um, it, you know, th th they lack the resources and the availability that 
growers and, and owners down in Central America and the United States have access to. Um, but it's such like this tradition and history with the island that there's something that they make up for what they lack in technology with I don't know something that may have been way too romantic to be quite honest well it's your explanation I mean it's not, yeah yeah there's no right or wrong answer here yeah no I, I think it's I, I think it's an interesting discussion point because like I said like there there there's no one no one says hey go buy a box of diesel cigars or go buy a box of alec bradley no. and it's seven out of ten are gonna be fucking blow your mind well what about the other three? Oh, don't worry about that you know or it's just it, you don't you don't no one has that discussion everyone talks about the quality and i don't think anyone and i think the other thing is is no one ever thinks about buying a box of you know whether it's diesel and we're picking on justin or, or alec bradley or or Drew Estate and thinks, man, I'm going to put this box down for like five years. Or I'm going to put, I'm, you know, I really want to put down these, you know, I really want to put these Tempest down for 10 years and see where they smoke. No one thinks that. They're like, oh, I'll smoke the Tempest and I'll share them with people. I do, but I'm weird. I'm a, I'm a big aging guy though. <clears throat> yeah, but, but it's, there's this like, but you almost have to age it and you almost have to document it. You know, there's something about with, with, you know, when you buy a box of Habanos and, you know, you keep the boxes, if you keep them in the boxes, I've gotten lazy about that in some cases, but, you know, going through the humidors and like, like, gosh, man, I forgot how old these are. Like these, these poor Laranaga Petite Coronas are 2007. It was a cabinet from 2007. So it's, okay. and they're, it's not a, fancy brand it's not cohiba but it's still something that man we put the i put these down you know 13 years ago and i think it's i mean i'm almost done with mine but really enjoyable yeah i just i just let mine up and that, yeah that's uh so you just uh so you just talked about it a little bit so so you got these from you got you you actually bought these in 2007 the box is 2007 i probably got them in you know i think it was probably 08 but it was an unopened box from 2007 Wow. Cabinet of so, 50. Okay. So let's get into a little, like the inside baseball is our, is our good friend, Will Cooper likes to call it. So how, how do you, how do you age them? Like, do you keep them at, do you keep them at 65? Do you keep them higher? Do you keep them lower? I keep them. I use, uh, you know, the Boveda 60, 65s. Um, and I keep them in like coolers. Um, there's sometimes where I'll like take them out and I'll, I'll, I'll keep them in like humidors, but I'll still keep, I'll keep the RH really low. I just keep it for all my cigars really low though, for the most part. Um, and just, you know, keep them in coolers and keep them tucked away and kind of forget about them. And, you know, I have a pretty good sense of, of the temperature. I've never, never stressed out about that, that level. And I've never had that problem, I guess. I, I was I was gonna say like I um I was really surprised about just how well these shipped when you get when you you sent them to me and again thank you so much yeah. um there was and I was wondering about that because they 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 seemed really well humidified and um it did seem aged I wasn't you know I wasn't quite sure on the year I can't believe these are <laughs> I can't believe these are 13 years old this is crazy yeah. um but I I'm uh I'm you know I lit this up and I'm I'm really enjoying it. it's very. You know, it's very rustic. Like you said, it's the Poor Loronga is like one of those brands. Like you said, it's uh, I'm a big Juan Lopez 
fan. It's right. Uh, in that, it's, it's, in that, it's probably actually even below Juan Lopez. <laughs> so it's not a it's not a fancy it's not a fancy brand. It's just kind of a I want to say budget friendly. It's they're not. I, I can't remember how much they are, but it's not super expensive um, for a cabinet of fifty when you think about it. I mean, it's not, it's not like, it's nowhere near like an Illusion Rothschild. So I'm not going to say it's like buying a, you know, a cabinet of the Illusion Rothschild. It's more than that, but it's, it's mm-hmm. along those lines. Well, when you're talking about Pavano cigars, I mean, you know, if, if, you know, $7 is a, it's achievable with certain brands. And that's probably yeah. about the realm, seven, eight, nine dollars is probably the realm we're talking about, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, right. Yeah. No, my, my favorite, um, since you grew up overseas, my favorite place to buy Habanos is, 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 uh, Germany because yeah. they're, it's incredibly competitive pricing. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I mean, talk about Illusion and Rothschild. That's how much I bought a Juan Lopez for over there it was, it was about $5. It's like, I couldn't which believe is, it. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Insane. Um, you know, you know, Cohiba, even Bahikes were, were not outlandish. I mean, yeah. you know, comparatively speaking and everything it was it was exactly. it was less than you would get them you know anywhere else and and um my absolutely worst favorite worst place to to buy habanos or any cigar for that matter is canada so far oh, in yeah. terms of outside the u.s i will um, not buy i will not buy listen my mom my mom lives like right on the canadian border so it was always easy for us to go it's always easy for us to go to like montreal well, not right now, but like Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto. But even when we went to like Montreal, I, I wasn't really thrilled about going into, you know, the LCDH in Montreal and buying Habanos just because of the tax. I knew how much, how expensive it was going to be. Yeah, it just, I can't imagine like what this, this cigar would go for up there. I mean, we, we'd have to ask John and then we, we'd hear about it and we'd be horrified. It's probably, it's probably 30 bucks. 25 30 bucks easy yeah it's probably pretty expensive nuts just nuts so um you know with that with that being said um we're gonna get into a little bit more uh why this cigar was chosen um here in just a little bit but um i i i kind of did in reverse uh like i said i wanted to kind of reintroduce the subject we're going to be talking about like i said comparing and we're actually going to be comparing a non-cuban tonight as well so we're going to be lighting that up here momentarily which i'm excited about that cigar as well because uh, i know you and i were really big fans of it um but uh I, I, we're doing a little bit of a reverse sorry i wanted to do a little reverse icebreaker after the second question reintroducing the topic um so seth where so you grew up overseas yeah um where do you live currently i live in north carolina okay um, and you've been there for the last 10 years ish, uh, 12, 12. 12 okay. Yeah. Where were you before that? Pennsylvania. Okay. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. That was right where the CI headquarters was. That's where I went to college. Right. All right. So, um, for those are not familiar with geography, those are nowhere near the state of Oklahoma, <laughs> but yet you have this strange allegiance, uh, border well your your obsessions with baker mayfield specifically but you have this 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 strange fandom for the university of oklahoma ou is ou's your team i mean live or die and 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 you and then you carry you but i I also got to hand it to you man you carry that fandom you follow your guys you know uh with you know you've become a cleveland uh cleveland browns guy since you know since baker was drafted there 
Baker, I followed Baker. I love Baker as a quarterback. Um, so I kind of, I went with him with the draft. Um, but I still pay it, but I paid attention to a lot of like Oklahoma players in the NFL, which pains me because the Ravens have so many good Oklahoma players. Um, and they play against Cleveland two times a year. So that, that sucks. Where did this come from? I think I got tired at the time. It was right when Bob Stoops went to Oklahoma. So I was so irritated, you know, watching football of it, so much Florida State, USC, Notre Dame. Okay. And one of my mom's well actually one of my cousins went to i don't even know why that one of my cousins went to oklahoma okay and so okay oklahoma, so there is a, there is a small familiar connection yeah, okay and i have and i have family that live in oklahoma there's fam, i have family in texas and oklahoma so but that i'm not going to use that as an excuse so i was so tired of notre dame and florida state and usc i was and i saw i can't remember oklahoma was on i was like i'm gonna start cheering these people on why not it looks fun um so then i just kind of got into it with you know bob stoops and followed qbu man i mean he i mean ou's had a a role of just quarterbacks the last few years i mean it's just been it's been insane i mean oh yeah so i mean to that effect so like you said you you followed baker um so why you know why why baker over kyler or Jalen Hurts, which you could argue is not Jalen Hurts is not even a technically an OU quarterback, even though he played for for a season. Actually, what I'll say this though, and and Coop will back me up on this. I really, I I respected Jalen at Alabama, but I really began to love him as a player at Oklahoma, and just reading and paying attention to him at the program. So I was thrilled, and I was cheering him on when he was with the Eagles. Um, and Kyler, I wish him great success in Arizona, but. I chose Baker mostly just because he was he, he started for more time. And actually the year he started, there you go, was actually Trevor Knight was the quarterback and he had one more year. Mm-hmm. But he took the job from Trevor Knight. And I remember because his first game was that was in Tennessee. It was an opening game in Tennessee, or maybe it wasn't opening, but it went to it went to like overtime. And I was like, what the hell is what the hell is Baker doing in there? We got to put in Trevor Knight. Um, and then Baker showed up and delivered. I was like, this is the guy I'm going to ride and die with this guy. So here I have ever since. Uh, man, I, I, I like, I, I, I like Kyler. He's a good kid. Um, he, uh, I, you know, I'm following, follow baseball, following baseball. Like I do. I knew who Kyler Murray was. He's a, Hot prospect, the A's. Oh yeah, you know, the A's really wanted, and uh, I thought he was a you know hell of a baseball player. Hell, it probably still is a hell of a baseball player. I bet he could go. I I, I think he will go back to the base. I think he will go to the MLB. I, I don't know, man. I mean, he seems to be having a really good NFL career. Like if he if he had faltered, like I would have been like, yeah, like, and that was probably what he was banking on, you know, um, you know. But I, I think he's probably he probably he probably saw. You know they're saying you know they you know draft draft prospects and said like hey you're gonna go number one like it's gonna happen yeah um and he probably looked at Tim Tebow and said well fuck if I you know if I fuck this up I mean the guy hasn't played for him since he was twelve and he's you know he's 
you know, he's playing professional baseball. He's, I can, yeah, I can, professional. I can be, I'm better than Tim Tebow. Yeah. I think Russell Wilson even said that too. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson came to, uh, he, he did a lot of spring training for the Rangers. I'm not a Rangers fan. I just follow him cause I live here, but, um, but he, he, at the time he was, he was still under technically under contract with him, but now he's, he was quote unquote traded to the Yankees, which is hilarious because he's never, he's never going to play. Even, no. um, anything, but he, he, he's, he was involved as a trade piece. It's just hilarious. Um, that, you know, the rights to this guy who, who will never set foot, you know? And so, but it's a, it's, I guess it's a good person to have around and everything, but I, I've just, I've never, I've just, I, I've always just had, not like, I, I don't like, I'm not a hater of Baker necessarily. I just, just think I just, irritated. <laughs> yeah, he, I, he just, he's always struck me as he's always struck me as immature. He's a hell of a competitor. I mean yeah. that, I mean, you, you have to, you have to acknowledge that. Yes. I, I've just, yeah, he, he just, he just, uh, he's always struck me as just really immature. He, he runs his mouth a little too much. I think he um, matured. I think he matured a lot these past two years. Yeah, I, I think I think that's definitely the case. the 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 one that kind of just set me off though um, was um, when his coach gets fired. Hugh Jackson gets fired. Oh yeah. Marvin Lewis gives him a job, and like he like treats the guy like shit, and he's like, "Well, he went to the over the other side." I was like. He got canned, dude. He's just looking for a job. What the fuck, you, man? You, you would have thought that he was like, he went from coaching Oklahoma to Texas in a week. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, yeah, which was a little, which, yeah, I mean, that's total, that's that's competitiveness and a lot of immaturity right there. So, <laughs> I mean, but, overdrive, man. It's like, dude, lay off the, lay off the red meat, dude. Just like, <laughs> something. my God. He's rolling now. He's good now, I think. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he, I mean, he certainly, he certainly bounced back, Cleveland. I, I, you know, I'm, man, they needed it. Cleveland's needed. Cleveland's needed something to root for in terms of I mean, football team for a while. It's, it's, it's great to see. Listen, it's great to see Buffalo doing well. It's good to see Cleveland doing well. I think. Listen, I think Jared Goff's going to turn around Detroit. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, so it's fun. It's, it's a good time. But the Cleveland fans are nuts. But we could talk about that on a whole other show. Yeah. So no, it was it was just curious about that. It just it was it's always kind of fascinating because I know you come. I know when you know when there's not you know a pandemic. I know you come to the Cotton Bowl every year and you you know watch the Red River rivalry and I know and stuff, I, so. I wanted to go to West Virginia, but that got that got canned. And then I wanted to go down to uh, they're playing Western Carolina is going down there. I was like, I'm just going to go down with Western Carolina. Um, but my wife's like, you're not going down to Oklahoma right now. I'm like, okay. (laughs) All right. Well, that's, uh, that brings us into tonight's major point. So, uh, you can, uh, tonight's major point is always brought to you by Barracoa Cigars. Barracoa is back getting ready for the relaunch of the voyage on April 10th. I personally can't wait for the cigar to come back. It's been over three years, about, uh, but now with a revamped blend coming out of one of the hottest factories in the industry, Danny Vasquez promised, if you like the original blend, you're absolutely going to love the really launch. You can get your pre-orders in now at sunscigars.com. Uh, Put that uh, information in the chat, um, as in the show notes. Stay tuned for more details on how you can enjoy the voyage at other uh, retailers. And remember, never settle. Barracoa Cigar Company. So, Seth, we, you know, we, we brought this subject up 100 takes ago. Um, you know, just about the idea of Habanos and 
um, you know, you know, the, the war against it. There's people who are very anti. There are people who are very pro. And I had this discussion with Pete Johnson a couple of weeks ago, um, and it, 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 remarkably, it came up again when I was having a conversation with somebody about the subject for tonight's show. And they're like, "Oh God, Cubans! Like, like they're, you know, they're just, you know, kind of like what we were talking, how we talked at the top of the show, just like, oh, they're inconsistent, they're terrible. It's like they're they're not good. They're like they're non-Cubans are so much better. Like, how can you possibly like? I'm like, Jesus Christ, guys! Like, I never said." I liked Cubans more and, or that I didn't like other cigars and Seth, you certainly like other cigars as well oh, too. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like, it just seems to be like, there's this, I mean, this is, I mean, this has to be the longest running debate in the premium cigar industry. I mean, for, I mean, we're talking about from consumer all the way to manufacturer. Oh yeah. There's, uh, this, there's a, there's a huge, Huge riff. I mean, there's obvious historical implication behind that. And there, understandably, like, I certainly understand uh, at the manufacturer level. I mean, a lot of these manufacturers um, were ousted by the Cuban government. Their families were stripped of everything. I mean, yeah. it's very personal. Um, but for the consumer in 2021, who, you know, was born in the mid, you know, early to mid 80s, like we were. Yeah. Like, wonders what the heck's going on. Yeah, why? Why is it so contentious among our peers? That's something I wanted to ask you. Well, I think it has to do. I mean, I think there's a lot of politics still involved in it. I think that it has to do with the fact that you know the two countries still can't, United States and Cuba still can't come together and figure anything out. Um, and I'm not. That's not a criticism on anyone for that. Um, but I also think, it, and because of that, you know, Cuba makes cigars for the whole world. I mean, it's a global, it's global. Um, and I think, you know, it, any person who smokes cigars is going to have that, that thought process or the desire, well, I want to smoke them, you know, it's like, I, I want to experience it. So there will be this seeking to, to purchase it and to smoke it. And I'm sure that there is some, some aspect of, of fear from non-Cuban manufacturers of they don't want smokers to get attached to those. They'd rather have them be able to purchase their stuff or probably compete within their own because it's, you know, I mean, you mentioned Tatois, it's easier for Pete to compete with non-Cuban brands than against a Cuban brand in some ways. Maybe, I mean, you know, he could probably say differently, but that's- He pays a lot of homage to it though, um, to the for, roots of- Oh, I think he takes a lot from them. Well, I'm sorry, he, he, he uses a lot of their, you know, their stuff. I mean, his atelier is, is really a take on Bahike. I mean, mm -hmm. you can say it's an homage, but it's almost like, you know, you're, you're kind of taking that, that format from it. Um, but yeah, there is, there is the sense of, you know, kind of working off of that. And I think it's just because you look at, I think people look at Cuba as the root um, for cigars. So, and when you have a country that isn't open to 
our country, which is like, that's the source of, of cigars for a lot of people. There's always this, people are always drawn back to the source and they don't want people to go to the source. They want them to go to Nicaragua or Honduras. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. And, and I think it was actually, I actually had this discussion with Pete who, who, it, you know, he had um, a high proclivity for Cuban cigars when he first started smoking and his, his partner uh, in Havana Cellars, Dan Welsh also, I mean, that's how they, that's how they met. And that's how kind of how they bonded and how their, 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 their friendship and eventual partnership started was yeah. over, over Habano cigars. And, and even those, those two have admitted like the, and we're going to get into how that's how the, the industry as a whole is trended from from the that island 90 miles off the coast of florida here yeah but um there's you know it's well actually that kind of leads me to the next question that I mean, they they have definitely been upfront about how they feel like the it's ju they're just not the same now you've been smoking habanos <laughs> when was your first cigar so like a, like from your timeline it was like 14 13 yeah for like 13 okay yeah. and I you're mean, in your 30s now right 30s yeah okay. <laughs> so i mean yeah, there's um i think they've had their up i think they've had their good years and they've i think they've had their bad years um i think for them it's it's much more noticeable just because it's at the, at the end all these brands it's not like separate companies at all it's all cuba um mm. but at the same time you know I think if you ask the rest of the DP crew, we would tell you that, you know, you look at Aganorsa, who says their tobacco is, the leaf is their strength. You know, for the past two years, they've had really poor years, in my opinion. Um, so there's no consistency in that sense. If you're having two bad years and you've had good years and then you come back. I mean, so Pete Johnson, Tazawahe, in my opinion, I think while some of the stuff coming out of Florida has been, has been good he, he's never had pure consistency of everything being perfect in my opinion um so that's you know what i mean it's one of these things that i don't think anyone's had pure consistency and that's just because they're dependent on the tobacco no and that's you know like we, we you know because we opened up the show like the man-made product element of of cigars is, is but there's like this this unforgiveness when it yes. comes to non non Habano cigars, where mm -hmm. this 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 just pure acceptance of it from a uh, from on the Habano side, and I think of a lot a lot of it has to do with you know like because I've gotten this I've got I've gotten asked this question in in retail for you know the ten years of my retail career. It's you know, and my answer is always simply it's like, well, what is it about Cubans or what is it about Habanos? It's it's the mystique. Yeah, I mean, plain and simple, it's the mystique. It's you know, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, there is. There is that, that mystique. I mean, I've been smoking them for years and I still think there's a mystique to them. I think the the the, the thing that I have really enjoyed, because I, I certainly do not smoke anything close to I'm I would say ninety-eight percent of my you know my cigar consumership is 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 non Habanos. Yeah. Um, obviously just, I mean, more, more so just availability. I think, I think if they're readily available to me, I think I'd probably dabble more, um, like as if, as you've had, um, but I'm, I'm always surprised, um, when I kind of, when I do kind of have the opportunity to return to them, 
that they they do um you know especially when they're when i get a really good one um i mean they just they there is something just there is something just very enamoring with it it's just it just kind of really takes you over the um so on take 60 uh you gave uh we had the uh caribbean exclusive uh la gloria cubana yeah that's right oh that cigar was sensational that was really good yeah that cigar was sensational um and um and it to 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 even blow everyone else's mind with it i mean it was it was like it was it was a bellicoso too right it was or was it a torpedo we'll get into vitolas here in a second (laughs) i'm trying to remember i thought it was i didn't think it was i thought it was like a double robusto or a 109 or something it was there was some kind of there was some kind of cap on it was that was non-traditional it wasn't a traditional parejo yeah that i can't i'd have to look it up that was a really good i think i still i still have some of those but yeah that was a really good that was a really good stick that was yeah that was incredible um and and i think it's an experience like that and even the the poor larongo that we're smoking now that you know it just again you just kind of you you i find myself appreciating them differently yeah um you know and uh, there's just there's there is this kind of again there is this kind of mystique that kind of rolls around him and everything so what what do you think is the the in the market today like you said it's a it's a it, they make cigars for the world that's the biggest that's the biggest difference well certainly a lot of the companies that we know and a lot of the companies that we have relationships with have international stakes and actually in 2020 we saw a lot of companies starting to expand their international presence yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is very interesting so with that in mind, I mean, is the foothold weakening for Habanos, or what do you think? What do you think the the state of the Habanos market is? Um, I I can't say for 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 every for every country. Um, you know, I think John would say in Canada that that probably cigars in general are, are struggling, um, and I think you know Dave in Australia has said something along those lines as well. Um, I think there will be regions of the world where, you know, Habanos continues to do well uh, and will be dominant, you know, Middle East, you know, probably Far East, even the Near East. Um, but, you know, it's, I do see this, this trend of, of companies and recently going to the Netherlands um, and, and trying to expand throughout that, the Flanders area and then through Central Europe. And I think that's, I think it'll bring more diversity. I think Habanos is still going to sell. I don't think Habanos is ever going to have a problem of like, oh man, we have all these, these Cohibas back here. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think we need to do know, a clearance sale. This is ridiculous. Yeah, we're gonna do, we, can't, we can't get rid of these things. Um, I still think that it will, that they'll continue to do well just because they're so well known. And I think for a lot of cigar consumers, besides you and I, um, there's still that familiar, you know, there's still that brand they recognize. And it's, it's one of these things that if people are buying cigars, cause it's a different, it's a different smoking culture over there than it is in the United States. Um, people are still going to want to buy them, but occasionally they'll, they're going to buy some other, other releases in there as well. Um, so I think if anything, maybe the, the demand will go down. Maybe it'll it'll help the country a little bit. I don't know. 
help. I mean, not help the country, but help the product. So there's there's about uh, there's about four um, uh, there's about four uh, of the patrons of Michael's Tobacco where where I work retail that are huge Habanos guys, uh, just like you, and I've gotten a lot of my education through them um, about the about them and uh, and I I, I've, I I guess it's it's kind of ironic, um, but I wanted to I wanted to see your thoughts on it, but all of them are like almost exclusively Habanos guys for the most part, but with, with a couple of exceptions and the main common denominator of non Habanos for all of them, where they're just absolute fiends for it is Tatuaje specifically. And since really? we brought them up really. And, and so I, I wanted to, you know, even though you had a couple comments earlier, I wanted to ask you about that comparison. Do you think they're, is it, and I asked them the same thing and they didn't really have, they didn't have a bad answer. They just said, they're like, no, I just like good cigars and Pete makes good cigars. And I was like, well, I can't argue with you there. <laughs> um, um, just, you know, and Cubans are, you know, Cubans are good and, and Pete likes good cigars. So that's why I like those two. I mean, but do you, I mean, do you see any correlation? I mean, other than the homage that we talked about, I mean. I don't, I don't see, I don't see the, I don't see a close correlation between Tatuai and, and, and habanos i don't um right. i find more i usually don't go to nicaragua to find my my correlation with with habanos i think every once in a while you can you can find an experience like this numero uno delivers kind of an experience in, in that that platform but i think dominican republic does it more often um I think Davidoff does a good job of, because I think when, from my perspective, not that they're blending similar, but it's almost as if they're not blending to appease just America. They're looking at blending for everyone. What's something that, that everyone can, can agree on. And some may think really highly of it, but others may just appreciate it and, and, and be at that same level, if that makes any sense. Jay Davis is in the chat and he said that he sees the same thing. He has a lot of guys who frequent his establishment that are, you know, that are Habana smokers too. And they kind of gravitate towards a couple of other brands, Fuente and Davidoff, they listed, yeah. which I mean, that's, I mean, you're, you're a big Davidoff fan. Big Davidoff fan. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, there might be some correlation there. And he, and he also like mentioned Tatuaje. Yeah. Like for, for me, I look at like, if I'm, you know, I, I would put like Cubans, if I'm looking to smoke something all day, that's just kind of within the area, I, I'd pick some like Habanos. I'd probably smoke some like Avo XOs. And then I'd smoke like Davidoff Grand Cruz and, and Davidoff Signatures. I mean, it'd be an expensive day, but that's kind of where everything is is, is going to be for me in that day. What, what, I'm sorry, uh, you got, what was the brand again? Davidoff Grand Crew and like the, the okay. signatures and then like an Avo XO. That's kind of like where that whole area would be. See, I'm yeah, the, and the white label series, I am a I am Grand Crew all day. Yeah. All day. And, yeah, that's that's and I like I, the XO too. Although I like the uh, the domain. The Avo domain really really speaks to me. 
I mean, I can't really say I compare to any Habano cigars particularly, but the out of in that particular portfolio, the domain is probably my bag for the most yeah. part. Um, but the uh, from from a brand standpoint, like what like what are some of the? I mean, do you gravitate towards different uh, Cuban brands, or is it uh, you know are are you really into this? Like, I know that you have, there's, there's people who really get into it by looking at box codes and then which factory it came out of, which we're going to get into here in a little bit as well. But like, do you, do you look at those things or do you, do you, do you stay within the brand or, or is it just, just that Cuban profile that you're just, that you, that you've always, that you've always gravitated towards in general? Yeah. I think for a while, for a while, I, I definitely got onto the box code craze. Um, and that was that was fun, but it was a little unhealthy too. And because it just, I, I became tracking down. I can still think of like, you know, TEBOA always comes to mind. That's just like one of those box codes from two thousand eight. Like you were going to get something good. Um, and there was a couple in like two thousand eleven. Um, but now I really have just kind of gotten into more just like specific patolas and brands. Um, and that's what I focus on really. And that's what I'll smoke. And then, you know, if, if a regional, like I'll, I'll check out if there's a new release when, you know, when they become available, I'll check them out. Um, like H Upman's got a new, I think a connoisseur number two, that's just been released or being released. Um, but the, I usually just stick to a couple brands throughout. And I know that, uh, you know, you, you, obviously we, we mentioned that you're part of developing palettes, the incredible team that, that, uh, that Aaron and June have put together. Uh, yes. now to, from my knowledge or my understanding, June's kind of tapered off in terms of the, uh, Cuban consumption, but obviously John and you probably, probably share that, that, that passion about it as well. Um, you know, has that been fun? And, and I know Aaron in, in, indulges every once in a while as well, but I know it's probably you and John are probably the heaviest of, of the four. Uh, is that, is that, is that pretty, you know, it's pretty unique um, given, given that uh, there is such a heated discussion on both sides of this board, but it's pretty unique that the four of you have are so open to it. I mean, is that, do you enjoy that, uh, that camaraderie over this, uh, this particular segment of the industry? Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to see, I think what I like more about it is when the four of us are talking, because usually, you know, John sometimes, well, not sometimes, John usually will like spoil us with these, these little treats. Um, you know, I've done some things, June's done some things. And it's interesting to see what our opinions are for those specific brands um, or even specific releases. Um, I can't remember like offhand the brands that like June and John like compared with mine. Um, but I tend to find that like, we're a little bit on different spectrums of like regional releases in, in terms of what we like, um, like John and I are, that is. Um, so that's kind of fun to, to take a look to see where we are in that sense. So for, for those who don't know us, we talked, we, I mean, we kind of just mentioned in passing just a moment ago, like the, the, the box code craze or the looking at box codes, like what is, <laughs> what does that actually mean? Cause I mean, we don't, I mean, there's box codes on, you know, non-Habano cigars, you know, they'll, they'll have them at the bottom, you know, sometimes they'll tell you when they've been aged and, you know, they have those little sheets of paper, even inside the box, like, 
you know, who the, the Rolera and the Bonchero were and, you know, things like that. Um, but uh, what, uh, when, when one looks at a box code, like, what does that, what does that mean? They have, you know, specific codes for specific factories throughout, throughout Havana. Um, and then obviously they put the month and the year in which it was, it was, it was boxed and, and then sent out. Um, so sometimes you find like Boulevard Royal Coronas, for instance, one of them was like TEB 08 and TEB, I think it was like the, I think it was the Partigas factory and it was like 2008 and I can't remember the month, but anytime I saw, you know, I, I would get some boxes with that box code. And it wouldn't just be boulevards. It would be another brand as well. Um, and I just found a lot of really good consistency and really, really good cigars within those boxes. Um, so then when the opportunity came, comes up to like purchase these, because sometimes you can even get these on like the gray market and so forth from other people or secondhand. And someone said they had, you know, a box of, you know, Boulevard Royal Coronas with this box code there's this everything else has been great with this so i'm going to keep going with that i'm you know it's one of these things so you'll search it down and you'll pay you'll pay a premium for it um and there's there was even some you know some cigar places like online that would you know they'd analyze them and they they would price higher what they deemed to be higher quality habanos through the boxes i mean i mean they provide the photos and so forth um so it just takes it to a much more I don't know if you want to say sophisticated or whatever level than just buying non-Cuban cigars. Well, because, because the, uh, the Cuban, the brand, the Cuban brand is so, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's so secondary compared to the non-Cuban market. I mean, we talk about, you know, the, the quote unquote fanboys all the time of like the brands here that are available here in the States. I mean, that's, and and certainly there there are brands that like you said like we've suggested that we kind of gravitate towards but it i mean those are that's i mean that's the type of that's the type of level of loyalty that we're talking about right i mean when you, when you're looking at the the uh the habanos uh fan market they're they're not you know oh it's only it's all about you know partigas it's all about cohiba no it's all about you know what you're just saying the you know the the partigas mm-hmm. factory there's a, yeah, there's a box code. Yeah. No one's, no one's like, no one's flipping over Pete Johnson's Tatuaje J21 to see what the, bo- the box code is. Right. Because m- more than likely people will just, I mean, I, I would never do that. I would buy a box of J21s, but I would never like obsess over the, the age of the box. If you find out that it has some age on it, you're like, Ooh, that's fun. But it's one of the, that's, that's about the extent of it. While with like Habanos, it's almost a, there's this quest. And maybe it's just a game they're playing. Who knows? Maybe they're just stamping these things and like we're gonna do, we're gonna do it. Um, and if they do it, props to them. They figured it out. I think that's probably the most confusing thing to the to the to the non Habano smoker is just that they're the 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 brand is the brand is secondary. It's just that we're just talking about tobacco. It, it's a focus on tobacco and year, and there's this it's one of these things that, you know, whenever I want to give you, you know, if I'm going to give you a Cuban 
naturally I'm going to be like, Hey, I want to give you a Monte Cristo Petit and Mundo, but this is like from like 2011, but I don't do that with, with non-Cubans. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go give you like a Davidoff Grand Cru and be like, this is from, cause I have no idea when it's from. I just have Grand <laughs> right. Cru lying around. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely do that. Like I'll pull out of, I'll pull out cigars from my archive and be like, Hey, I've got this, you know, yeah, I've got this grand crew from 2017. Tell me what you think or, um, you know, or whatever. But I mean, it's, it's, it's different with that. Cause, I, and I've heard you and John talk about this specifically, specifically when the discussion around cigars on top 25 lists show up in terms of Cubans, like with cigar aficionado specifically. And, you know, every year without fail, a cigar will make the list. And I mean, John in particular is just beside himself. And I've heard of you agree with him on a number of occasions where he's like, there's no way that cigar is ready. Or that no, the way no, that's there's no way that cigar is quality enough to be like a top twenty five cigar. Well, you know, it's there's time. I can't remember what year it was when they gave Monte Cristo number two. I can't remember. Maybe it got a number two rating. I can't remember what the rating. Yeah, it was. Yeah, well, number one. It was a number one cigar. Was it, uh, yeah, the number, number two one. was the number one cigar of the year. And Coop and I talked about it, and I said, you know, depending on when they smoked it from, when when, when that box is from, I can see it. But at the same time, you know, you never know. With that, I mean, hypothetically, I can't remember what the year it was. I mean, what if that cigar was like five years old? I can see it. If it was a really good box of Monty number twos, yeah, I could see it being number one. But it just comes down to like that that age of it. But even it comes back, like, it, and the thing is, like, it, the years, it may change, but like, if you look at an annual release, if you put like a box aside of you know, whatever brand we've been picking on Pete Johnson. Like let's, let's put aside like a box of Liga Pravada T-52s and we know every year that it was released, we had the boxing and let's smoke them over the years and see how they do. And then not only that, besides looking at the differences between each year's, let's see how, how also they age. So then let's come Mm. back to them in like five years as well. Um, It's almost Cuban cigars has gotten into the the wine aspect of tobacco. It's all about it's, vintage, yeah. That's what I was going to say. It, it gets into vintage. And non-Cubans have never been able to accomplish that because I don't think they've ever... Christian almost did it for a while. Do you remember when Christian was putting... He was stamping the boxes and he was going to use... He was going to put the vintages of the tobacco mm-hmm. on his releases and then they stopped doing it. Like... They did it for the first year and it was like, you should have kept, you should have kept changing it so that you were capturing that whole vintage and then you're getting into truly getting into it, but they never did it. George Rico from Gran Habano does that. I don't think he advertises it as much, but like when you talk to him about his cigars and stuff, he talks a lot about vintage being like the forefront of like how he, that's how his, like a lot of, like a lot of folks, I mean, that's that, that, you know, that determines production and everything, but, you know, but you hear about like, you know, you know, you hear people like Skip Martin talk continuously about how they're always trying to find the, the right tobacco yeah, and they're, they're on this quest for the, the right tobacco and then they won't make a cigar unless they find the right tobacco for it, which, you know, good on him. There's nothing wrong, obviously, you know, that's, that's, um, that's incredible integrity in what he's doing. Um, but I, I think someone like, George um, or even Christian, they they 
kind of almost embraced the differences in vintage and yeah. wanted you to experience it for yourself. Exactly. And I think it, it comes down to it's this acceptance of what it is because it's in, you know, it's skip, there's this constant quest to not deviate from the path, but you have to have a plus or minus on either way. You know what I mean? Like you have to, you have to recognize that it's never going to be, your next vintage is never going to be like this, but they're continuously trying to do it. So they're going to have to change their parameters. They're going to have to have a cushion zone to stay within that area. But the, my thought process on this is, and they could probably argue this is like, let's say this is your road and you go minus two hypothetically for second year. And this is probably not making sense to anyone, but then you're on a new path. And at which point do you, do you expand it backwards or do you stick within this parameter? Because eventually you're, you're deviating all over the place. Maybe I should have drawn that out. <laughs> no, I, I, I followed you a little bit there. So I think there, like I said, I think there's something to it, but you have, again, it's, it's a consistency in practice. Like, I mean, someone I know who dates their cigars is, uh, is, but there's no way of telling it until you've actually smoked it or opened the box and you pull off the, pull off the label and I'll, is, uh, Phil Zengi debonair. Yeah. He has, he has stamps on the back of his, he does on the labels. And I've always found that, um, I was wondering why I put it on the back of the labels, but it was one of these things like right. it just made it more, you know, it, it put it on the box or something like that. Cause I remember his Habano, uh, particularly the Bellicoso from um, 17 was like, I mean, gosh, man, every time I, I smoked one of those and I, and I, op- like I would pull off the label and it's like, I guarantee this is going to say 17. And sure enough, like, it just, yeah, there was something about that vintage mm-hmm. that year. It just that cigar is great, regardless, in my opinion. But it it's uh, you know it just that particular that particular year just was just sensational. But um, you know, you mentioned Drew Estate, and Drew Drew Estate's one of these companies that is actually very notorious about about not aging their cigars. They tell you they tell you to not, and trust me, I've done it. It's a mistake. You don't you don't want to age. You don't want to age like a Pravadas. They're terrible. Yeah, I've done. It's like it's a stretch, but it's like padrones. I I don't I don't understand people who age padrones. I I don't. I just can't. I think padrones are meant to be smoked when you get them, and I think that's you pay for it, and that's how they're meant to be. That's how they're meant to be smoked. I don't think they age well. Mm -hmm. No, I I completely agree that I had a fiftieth a fiftieth robusto that was. 18 18 months even 18 months and that's not like that's not extensive aging and then no. just the i mean the, yeah it just went i mean it it, it was a, it was a de, it was a decline it wasn't a bad cigar and it wasn't terrible and yeah. I, I said terrible a minute ago with liga provide i'm not trying to I'm not trying to backpedal here they're just not they're just not at the level of when you smoke a liga out of the box liga nines fresh are awesome if if, if it's a fresh box liga nines it, you know, I, I probably would never buy the whole box. At like, but if my store got them, you know, you, you buy a bunch of them and you just smoke them, because that's like they're at their height. They're ready to be smoked right then. What cigar does age well from Drew Estate is the uh, I'll tell you that, uh, um, and I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of smoking them off the shelf, and I'm a big fan of aging them too. Is the Herrera Esteli Habano the original uh, one that Willie did? That Those, cigar sensational. The, the Miamis are aging well. Um, cause I, I have some boxes of the, uh, Robustos and, and Lonsdales from when they were first released and they just, they're smoking, they smoke really well with age, but I like them when they're young too. 
Yeah. Uh, Jay brings up a good point too. Like, uh, you know, you know, Pete will tell you that aging tatuajes and, and I, I agree with that aging tatuajes really, they, they age well Fuente. So I I'm on the fence, like with Fuente aging, yeah. like Fuente, uh, like the Opus, um, Casa Cuba, um, exceptional. I think they're exceptional. I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if some of their, some of their other cigars, it's just my palate. I don't think it's, I'll tell you this much. It's not as, a, it's not as, it's not as much of a sharp contrast or decline, whatever you want to characterize it as. It's like something like we were talking about with Liga Pravada. I think, but, I think Opus, Opus is the one brand for, for Fuente that, that can age and benefits from aging. Um, but there's also this fun, there's also a fun, there's something entertaining about smoking young Opus X's and knowing that, you know, I always, whenever I buy some, whenever I can buy them, I usually try to like buy like three or four and I'll like, I'll put two away and then the other two I'll just smoke right then. And I think sometimes I'll probably write like the, or I'll put a little sticker on the date of when those are, but like, I'll put them away just to, to let them sit. But there's something fun about smoking them when they're, they're young as well. The Anejos age particularly well, which is interesting because the rapper is already five years old. Yeah. And they, yeah. they age well. Yeah. The, um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've always found that like, like more traditional when more mainstream, uh, you know, core competency Fuente just for whatever reason, just the, when you age it, it just, it did. There's something it does to my palate. I just, I, where I just, I don't, I don't enjoy them as much. Again, again, the decline is not as sharp as like what we're talking about, but have you found this, Seth? And so this is something like people have asked me like, Hey, what, you know, what cigars do you age? I was like, that's a loaded question, but I'm like, if you want a general, my general observation of aging cigars over the years has been that uh, lighter wrappers tend to age better than darker ones. Like as a general rule. Yeah, I like to I like to age the lighter wrappers, and then I also think lighter wrappers smoke better at the beach when I'm at the beach too, and that's usually when I'm smoking some fun stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I age the lighter the wrapper, I find the better it is. I I, I don't know what there yeah what there is to that. I mean, because I've I mean I've I've certainly had some aged maduros that smoke incredibly well that do that do good things, but there's just some that like yeah there's this there's just just this notable decline. And it just doesn't work. I'll tell you a cigar. This is really bizarre, um, just because it has to do with the the, the question we're, that we we're on this this little tangent. But I think this is entertaining. Um, <laughs> I had a um, a at the I just remember at the time it was a seven year old. Do you remember the punch uppercut? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was like loaded with Omentepe tobacco, no, just like had the in your Omate- face. Had the Omentepe foot band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Load. Those I mean, loaded up. But yeah, seven, yeah, seven, seven years of age on that really smoothed it out. I mean, that that the uh, cellophane when I pulled it off, I mean, it was just just dark. I mean, just dark, black. Yeah. yeah, it was just nuts how much oil came off of that thing, and it really, really aged well and smoothed out incredibly. The flavor was still there, but it wasn't as intense. That's and, a, that was a good cigar. The order it got. Um. The um, to to kind of curve this back to to Habanos for uh, what have you found? What have you found 
that age the best again we're, i guess we're, we're probably going back to factories then at that point is it is it a particular factory that ages well than the other is it a particular brand I, that you've noticed or i found all the brands age well um cohiba ages well monte cristo's age well for me um h upman's i think do great with age um juan lopez i think for the most part a lot of their you know a lot of the brands um I, and that just some of them are the ones I smoke a lot of too, like Bolivar, Juan Lopez, H. Upman. You know, those are those are probably the the brands I go to the most. Um, and they, you know, they smoke well young. They smoke well with a lot of age. Um, they they never lose a lot. They they just they balance out a little bit even more, and they're just flavorful. I need I need to get a hold of some more Ramona Jonas. Um and try aging some of them. That's, that's one that I haven't really, I've always enjoyed that cigar. It's yeah. always, it's always, it's always been good for me. Um, and Bolivars, I absolutely, yeah, I, I adore. I think Bolivars are fantastic. It's an underrated brand. The Royal Corona you mentioned a moment ago, I, I, I've really gravitate towards that cigar. I think it's, I think it's really good. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I smoke those, Bellicose Finas, um, you know, when they were making the, um, they had a Churchill for a while. Uh, no, the Corona Gigantes, which they discontinued, which was fantastic. Um, that was another great one. So, as we've mentioned a couple times tonight, Seth, it's been it's been two years since I had you on my show yeah. to talk about this very subject. So, in the last two years, let's narrow the scope. We talked about long term, like you know, the past 10, 15 years. Like, what is the state? In the last two years, have you noticed anything different about the way Habanos have uh, have been the way that they the production, the quality, the like? What cigars have gained more popularity over others, or has it always has it remained consistent? You think over the last couple of years? You know, H. Upman's been on the rise in, in recent years. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't pay much attention. I didn't think there was much going on last year at all. Um, just with twenty twenty, just with with the pandemic um and i think it's it's a slow start for them anyways because of that um but i think h upman was was a brand that is on the rise and i think it's it's becoming more you know prominent for them um which i think is good i think it should be i think that's it's it's so, so funny to say that that h upman was a, is a is an up and coming brand i mean that's it's it's one of the it's one of the oldest ones when you think about it but it's one of the older ones but it, it's just it's made it up to that global that global status for them um more and more people were, were getting behind it do you um so do, so okay so you mentioned you mentioned the covid effect so what what happened in the in 2020 with the cuban cigar uh because i absolutely i have no reference no you know no reference point whatsoever i mean were you able to not get cigars were you able to get cigars i mean yeah i mean i was still able to i mean i didn't i didn't do a lot of purchasing of, of habanos and during the pandemic actually for some reason i i purchased i think for a while i was purchasing a lot of non-cubans actually um earlier on and then towards the end I, I you know wasn't purchasing that much at all um but i didn't have a problem earlier on in getting some um but i didn't i didn't i didn't pay too much attention to it i've been really just kind of 
smoking some of my older stuff and just seeing how seeing how they're all aging of year of reflection yeah just kind of looking back on on where on where everything is with my stuff yeah reflection correct so the the so we talked about um the last two years you know in 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 specific but i mean looking over again the past eight years so this the cuban market experienced this this interesting dynamic that they haven't seen since uh the late 50s right because they're um in the latter half of the Obama administration, um, the borders that were open, reopened back up. We saw more trade, the ability to legally, yeah, you know, people had a pathway to get these cigars that they had been shut off from. Uh, so it immediately, I think, gained more popularity. Um, um, I, I mean, I, I've, I think, you know, most Habanos fans like yourself probably found that laughable because it's, you know, it's something that's always been. <laughs> yeah it's, it's you, one of the, i'm like like all right whatever. Nothing, nothing's changed right um yeah. if anything you know with the limitations that they put on what you brought back you're like well shit now i can't now i gotta now i'm gonna be able to buy less <laughs> you know, if i <laughs> wanted to go through the legal market right if i if i wanted to do this the correct way yeah it, it yeah. would be a pain in the butt yeah so what it, did you know during that time when it obviously became more Again, widely available is is relative, but widely available. I mean, did you see a did you see a a spike in you know? Again, going back to quality, did you feel like the the the, the cigars were the same? Did they change? Like, what did you think there? I didn't see a problem with with I I didn't see a, a drastic change with 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 what I purchased. Um, you know, I, I I was afraid for a while that with opening up depending on what happened that there would be a, a, a drop in quality. Um, but I, ne but it never, that never came to light for me. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure if that would ever happen. Um, I, I can see it happening uh, depending on where the two, our two countries go. Um, but as of right now, I haven't, you know, I haven't had much new stuff, um, but for the period of time where I was smoking, I didn't have any issues. And then, and then of course, then, and then the, the next administration comes in with the last four years and then reverses a lot of, of what the previous administration did. So there was like the, the shutting, re-shutting back down of trade. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, did, and so same question, I mean, did, did we, did we see any, did we see any change? I mean, I, not, for, not for me and how I purchased. I'll put it that way. I didn't. There wasn't an issue for me in in any sense. In fact, I was kind of like, "Hey, maybe this, maybe quality will now go up." So, well, and that, yeah, that was my concern, or like that was well, not my concern, but that was my question: is like, okay, how much? Like, I, 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 I wish I and I looked for numbers and reference point on this, but I, I wish I could find something that like suggested, you know, that during the years where, you know, after the last administration had opened it up, like what was the cigar production up to? Was it, think, did it change? I think they've shown usual increases in, in certain areas. I'd have to go back and look, but I, th I think if what I've read just from what they release and you got to take everything, you know, say, okay, that's with a grain of salt. But I, I think there was, 
you know, there was an increase in production, an increase in demand for, for several areas. Um, but I, I never saw a, I never saw a drastic change all of a sudden that there was concerns or even, wow, this is even better than it was before. I, I, I really wonder if, um, you know, uh, considering considering the president uh, the president now was the vice president of Obama at the time. I wonder, well, what do you think the next four years will bring in terms of, of relationships with Cuba? Uh, um, can we really can we really reverse the ship again in such a short time? I don't think. I think if it hap- I think if there is a reverse, I, I don't see it happening in. In, in Biden's first four years. Um, and I hope not in the sense that we can't as a country continuously go back and forth on these policies. It's, it's not, it, it doesn't make any international relationship sense. It doesn't make any sense for, for our country. It doesn't make sense for any country because it's a, it's a headache for everyone that I think that I think what Obama did, I understand what his intentions were, but I, I just don't think it was th- as well thought out. I think it could have been done better. And I think that if we are going to do something like this, we really need to, everyone needs to be sitting at the table and discussing that. And that's, and that slows down the whole process mm-hmm. because it's just not fair to anybody to do it. It's, and especially not fair to Cuban American families who, who possibly are flying back and forth or want to go back and forth for them. It's right. not fair to them. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are a lot of families there too that have been split for, you know, decades at this point. Like it's just yeah. multi, multi, multiple generations. Yeah. yeah. Here was something interesting that I thought was, you know, we're still about 30 years away uh, from that exact time frame, But I mean, at this point in history, if you go back to the American Revolution in the late 1700s, yeah. 60 years after the fact, you're talking about the 1840s. Mm-hmm. Trade started to trade started to warm up between the two countries, and then even by the 1860s with the Civil War, both sides of the the Union and the Confederacy actually had. Um, relationships with relationships with Britain. Yeah. Um, um, the the British were very hands off because they uh, of their their personal political feelings about slavery, but they did have advisors uh, in the you know they played they they were heads to their bets they were playing both sides you know. Oh um, yeah, I mean yeah, I mean remember because also like the Confederacy burned tons of cotton to keep the demand high, um, as well for for Great Britain and so forth as well just to get that price up there too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the question of do it's at what time do we, as a country say enough's enough, (laughs) like, like holding the grudge a little like uh, enough's enough. Um, and, and you can see the debate. I see points to every, every side of the argument on it. I I really do. Um, but you do start to ask the question of you know at what point do we say you know let's let's start building relationship because it's you know if you want to 
if you want them to have democracy, there needs to be democracy. They need to understand and get a taste of democracy. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. But it's 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 a lot more complicated than that. You and I know that. Oh, absolutely. I think it'll thaw. I think there'll be more of a thaw and more of an open dialogue uh, once the last Castro is gone. And yeah, because then, I mean, because I mean, what that family did, those two men in general did, to, I mean, taking. I mean, the cigar industry aside, which is a huge port, you know, a very large portion of prominent families were just incredibly affected by it. But when we were talking about, we're talking about thousands and millions of family, you know, people yeah. that were just affected by it. I just, I think it, I, I, I think it's, you know, if, interestingly enough, I mean, I think it is, I mean, 60 years later, I mean, it's just still too raw for a lot of people and still too personal. There's, um, I mean, there's, there's a high Cuban American, there's, the older cuban american population i still think a large portion of the cuban american population still has hostility just because it, their families are still alive i, I think and I, I don't live in in florida i don't live in miami and I, i've heard mixed things from from different people um and i've spoken with with young cuban americans and i've spoken with like middle-aged cuban americans and i've relayed what young cuban americans have said to me and maybe they're a little bit more progressive um, but I've had middle-aged Cuban Americans who are in the cigar industry um, act like I just, you know, attack their their family history when I when I said that, and th that's not my intention at all. So, no, no, absolutely. And like I said, I think I think it's I think it's just it's still so very raw. It's still very so very vivid. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, you know, Nick Perdomo's grandfather was 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 wrestled out of his home. Mm -hmm. You know, several of these families had their entire, their entire livelihood just, I mean, literally taken from them, some imprisoned, yeah. you know, and just for, for nothing else than other than having a job, you know, it just, yeah, it's just, it's just I mean, it, it, I mean, tragic really just is, is it is an understatement. And so it is, it is incredibly raw for, for people. And I think, but I think that's, that's my theory on it. I think once the, the, the last Castro falls, I think, I think it'll begin to thaw a little bit. And I think it'll be a, the, the temperature will certainly die, dial down a bit. Hope, you know, hopefully, you know, um, and hopefully some kind of, there can be kind of some kind of, some kind of, some kind of forgiveness. Well, you know, I was just thinking even more deep than that, yeah. more like forgiveness between, between folks and stuff, but I mean, it's still, I mean, stuff is still going on today. I mean, they're, um, they're, um, Nick Jimenez, formerly of Cigar Snob was, Snob was doing this story uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago about there's this group of, uh, of protesters that were, you know, taken from their homes and no yeah. one's, no one's really heard from them, um, still. And it's just like, it's still going on. It's yeah. still going on. There's it, nothing's changed. I mean, it's, you just, I mean, and it's just, yeah, nothing's changed there. And it's it's interesting because it's it's a country that, you know, you look at other countries that we, you know, we, we deal with, whether it be China, Saudi Arabia, you know, Russia to an extent, and you, you look at their treatment of individuals as well, and there's nothing glamorous about how they treat their people either. Mm -hmm. um, 
but we can still manage to to work with them so it's but yeah it's it's complicated and i think it's we're both close and you know i i do hope that it we can mend as two countries because we're so close that it would benefit cuba greatly i think it would i think it could help americans as well i think it would you know i think everyone has something to gain from it but you need to you need to work past the hard times first yeah, there's just there's just there's just too many open wounds, and I and I and I'm and I'm of that opinion too. I mean, I have I have no uh, I have no literal skin in the game, uh, no, but I, I mean, know. but I I do I do kind of I do kind of rally around my 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 friends in the industry who who did suffer great personal loss, and I just I can't, you know, I I yeah I'm 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 with them, you know, for the for the most part, you know. Because I just, you know, it affected people I care about. And, yeah. So. Um. Interesting. So, um, kind of diving into what we're smoking now, Seth. So you, so you sent me the poor Laranga, which we we smoked earlier. Yep. And uh, and then you you thought it would be an interesting, uh, an interesting exercise because this is something we didn't do the last time. We just smoked Habano cigars. Um. But you you we wanted to talk about the, the comparing of what we alluded to earlier about that, that Cuban S cigar, you, you gravitate towards, I mentioned about several of my friends who like it to gravitate toward Tatuaje. Jay mentioned Fuente. Davidoff is one, which you obviously are, have a, a great proclivity for and are a pretty big fan of them for the most part um, or overwhelmingly. Um, um, but you sent me another cigar that we're smoking right now, mm-hmm. um, particularly that you were incredibly high on this year. And uh, I've certainly enjoyed the blend too, but um it's the numero uno uh, La Premiere yeah. from Hoya de Nicaragua. So why did you send me this bar cigar specifically to uh, for this uh, for the sake of the show? Um, most, well, I love the blend. I think it's a great cigar. It did really well for me. I think it did really well for developing palates, but I also think it's, it's a blend that is very much in line with with what I like about, you know, Habanos and even it's kind of like, you know, Epernay with Illusione, um, you know, Grand Cru with Davidoff. And it's that there is some, there's a little bit of body. It's, it doesn't have a lot of strength, but there is a presence. You're, you're feeling the cigar and the tobacco, um, but it's more about the flavors and it's just, you know, it's, it's enjoyable. You, you, you feel like, you feel like you're smoking tobacco, but there's something else to it. You know what I mean? No, I, I was a big fan of this blend and I think it's really gro- I think it's really grown on me. I, I enjoyed it before it became infamous. Um, you know, with, uh, with, uh, the half wheel number one cigar that eventually gave us numero uno. It was just, the the Hoya de Nicaragua number one. It was an event yeah. only cigar. I remember smoking it uh, at a Hoya, a Drew Estate Hoya event. It was actually a giveaway because it was an event only cigar. Yeah. I remember smoking. I was like, man, this, 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 this is really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, I mean, it stuck, it definitely stuck in my memory. Um, but it wasn't till, it wasn't till you said, Hey, these are the cigars I'm sending you. And I was like, really the, the numero uno, I said, I never really thought about it. And then I, it clicked and I was like, yeah, I did stupid. Because, you know, for take 60, you gave me um, the Lord Gloria Cubanas that we talked about, but you also gave me some Trinidad's. 
that yeah, we didn't the, smoke on the show. The fundadores. Yes. And we, uh, um, I, you know, I, I put them back and I, I smoked one, I think right after the show. Uh, and then I, I held, I held on to the other two that you gave me. And I smoked one right before, um, I think version 4.0 of the show that I do with, uh, trip wall drop and, uh, Dennis Fang, a cigar federation where we do blind cigar samplings and we pair them with, with, uh, with beverages. Yeah. And, um, and so long story short, um, I smoke, I smoke trip cigar and I was like, I was like, I know exactly. And I, I mean, I was like, I know exactly what this is. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is a Trinidad. I just smoked this a few weeks ago. This is a Trinidad. This is a Cuban Trinidad. Um, and he's like, no, it's a numero uno. And I was like, I'll be doomed. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went back to like, cause I made some notes on the Trinidad when I was smoking it and I went back to that and then I smoked another numero uno. And then when you brought the subject up that this, these are cigars that you're bringing, I went back and smoked it again before you sent me some more. Um, and it really does have that, that, you know, that's a word that gets thrown out way too much. Oh yeah. Cuban ask. Right. But it yeah. really does have that. There's that, there's some body to it. There's um, a certain amount of strength to it. And there's this creaminess and there's what Aaron, Aaron, I know Aaron likes to use this word a lot, but it's true is, is that mustiness, mm-hmm. that Cuban, that, that Cuban mustiness that really kind of comes through in a lot of Habanos cigars. And it's, it's in here. And Davidoff yeah. has that too. Like Davidoff, Davidoff has, it's, it, I always, it's always like this to me. I always think of like, weathered wood that has ended up on the shore you know what i mean like it's been in the salt water for about you know days and now it ends up on shore and it has like that combination of of everything to it um there's like the saltiness to it but like there's that wood and tobacco flavor with it it's like that core flavor profile which i can really get behind and um so when you when you smoked okay because this the la premieres uh wasn't the the first one when you smoked the did you smoke the number one before it became numero uno yeah well no not i I smoked it after it no i never smoked the original one before it became numero uno okay when you had numero uno for the first time like what was that like did you go there immediately you're like wow this is this is in my this is in my wheelhouse first time i smoked it I, the first time I smoked it, actually, I smoked it after, after Half Wheel gave it number one. Um, and I smoked it and I was like, this is a really good cigar. Like I can, I could see this being a number one cigar for me because it's my type of, it's my type of profile. Um, and it's, they've, they've managed to, to deliver that throughout, um, throughout all the releases they've had of it. Um, cause this is what the third, this is the third, third Vitola of it. Third Vitola. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it was your number one, right? It was your personal number one. My personal number one. Yeah. What, what did you get it on the developing house? Was it a seven or oh, was it I, close I, to an eight? I, I gave it an eight. I think I gave it an, uh, let's see what I gave it. Uh, 8.23. And it was our number. It was our team for the team. It was number three. 
Um, and for me, it was, it was number one. And by I think it, by yeah, far, by far. And it makes sense. I can see why I can, I can see it doing well. To me, it's a blend that reaches out to every smoker, no matter their level, but it reaches out to them in a different way. And I think, I think that it, it's appealing to maybe a younger smoker because it's, it's, it's a, like, um, it's a special occasion cigar, I guess you could say for a, a younger smoker who's looking for something with a little bit more profile to it. Um, but I think to a seasoned smoker, there's an appreciation of, yeah, I could smoke this really anytime, but at the same time, I can understand and appreciate the special occasion aspect of it. I, I think the more that I smoke the cigar, the more that I enjoy it. And I, like I said, I, I liked it when I had it as the number one, when I smoked the new Ru, new Ru, new Ru, that was good. Uh, really enjoyed it. And then the more and more I smoke it, I find myself keep going back to it. Just like, man, this is, this is just there. And like I said, I don't smoke very many Habano cigars, but there is just something about this flavor profile in the Vitolas that they do it in. Yeah. That just really, that really speak to me as well. It's a, I mean, it's this grand Corona of Vitola. I mean, they call it like a Churchill, but it's not, it's not a Churchill. It's, <laughs> we're gonna get into that <laughs> but it's you know they they call it what it is but it's you're still getting i think it's at that perfect sweet spot you know i know that some people say like a, a robusto five by 50 has that perfect balance between where you get the wrapper and you get the filler um i i, I still think that a 50 ring gauge is showing you more filler than than you're getting the wrapper i think when you get into like the mid 40s is when you really start seeing the balance, in my opinion, um, in the cigar. Um, and I think that's where this cigar touches on it, where you're getting that that wrapper, but you're getting that, that filler tobacco in as well, so that they're all working with one another. What is the largest gauge Habano cigar that you've ever smoked? I know that's a really tall order for you to and really oh, test your I, memory, but I just... Whatever I think, I think that Cohiba Limitada is still. I'd have to look it up, but it's it's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be in the sixties. The Lusitania is pretty big too, right? I mean, from a from a Habano standpoint. Yeah, I mean that you know there's that's your double Corona, so that's I mean it's. Um, oh, that's only fifty four. No, that can't be right. Because Brandon brings uh, Brandon Payne brings up an, an why Churchill's is probably that's probably the biggest gauge that I've the fifty eight, which is the, the, a fifty eight ring gauge, I think probably close to a sixty for a Habanos. I I I often wonder if they just got crazy one day and just like just like when Reese like an eighty gauge or a seventy, like what? But you know they've done a really you know, because th th they were like a couple years after the non-Cuban, after the U.S. market and releasing large ring gauges. And I saw that they were releasing some larger ring gauges. And at first I was like, oh gosh, like, how <laughs> but I, but I actually think that Habanos has done a really good job with larger ring gauges. I think that they do, they do, besides Pete Johnson, they probably do some of the best jobs of making 
large ring gauge cigars. You're you're a big fan of the the Grand Kohanu? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great sixty ring gauge offer. See, I I I'm I'm an animal cracker guy. I I I love the surrogates animal cracker, and that in that sixty, I I think that's. That's the one, one that's of the got best. like the 109 cap yeah, on it. Like that taper, yeah. A little bit of it. Was, it was interesting when I saw it. Uh, one time, Cigar Aficionado uh, did a rating on it. Um, and uh, they had it in the figure auto section. I was like, what? And then I thought about it. I was like, well, it's technically not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically, it is a it's a figure out. It's a crazy one, but yeah. So that um, before we kind of get into some fun segments here, this is kind of a fun topic. I'll bring it, I'll bring it up here because because we are we're actually talking about it. So um, you know, for anyone who follow and and you really should follow developing palettes, particularly uh, if you guys need to subscribe to them on podcasts. I mean, the most I, and I've said this to Aaron uh, and I, you you may have heard me say it too, Seth. It's it is the it is the most binge worthy cigar content out there. I mean, you can I mean you 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 start listening to y'all's reviews. And then you look up after like three hours, you've gone through like 20 of them and they're, it's, they're, they're highly entertaining. They're short, they're quick. The, the banter is incredible. The discussion over the cigars is fairly, I mean, it's, I mean, you guys, I mean, keep it short and to the point, but you still get, you still get nuts and bolts on it, man. It's, it, we'll get, it's we'll great. It. It's great when we get into it, when yeah. we're really into the cigar. And, and you and John McTavish, uh, AKA cigar surgeon have kind of, banded together to form this kind of coalition if you will it's it's the the vitola council vitola council so um and we were kind of talking about this a little bit before the show um you have a you and john have this great i guess just like nails on a chalkboard like type attitude about when when these cigar companies name a cigar a particular vitola and it's it's not that vitola yeah um, drives drives us insane and and I, it's funny because I I actually share in this frustration because it really bothers me too, uh, and I I really get a kick out of it because it it like when Aaron's reading off the the stats on the cigar and I'm like that's not a fucking Corona <laughs> like, like yeah, and then, and then and then you guys right off the bat chime in too and it's just it it just it just grates me to no end. What what, what is it? What, why why okay? Why does it bother you so much? I and mean, John's not here to speak for himself, but why does it bother you so much? It's if you're going to make, I'm a traditionalist in the sense of that I believe, you know, like a Churchill, I go back to Churchill's are seven by 47. That's what they, that's what they were. That's what, that's what they were created to be. That that's what the Vitola is for. them. If, if you're going to make a Churchill, it's got to be seven by 47 in my opinion there's just no one of these these things i'm a traditionalist in the sense of that's that's what it was intended to be it's not if you're going to create a different vitola that's fine but just call it something else yeah um the one time where i laughed about it is i think caldwell with walnut the king he has the petite double wide short churchill or something like that but it's like it's a toro i think yeah but he just (laughs) and that's one of these things like that's that to me is entertaining um and i think that's probably one of the reasons why i like the cigar is that it's just yeah it could be a toro but it's not like he's calling it a corona he's just throwing all these names out there um and yeah because i mean there's you get buck wild with like names of like just 
different cigars of like, yeah, it's the, you know, it's the, I don't know, box car or what, you know, whatever, you, you know, it's like, it's not yeah. even a size. It's just like, okay. Yeah. And it's, it might be a Toro or it might be something else, but at least like, like those, like those actually rub people along the way. Like, Oh, the, why don't they call it, you know, how do I know what size it is? I'm like, well, look at the, they, they list the size on it. You know I mean? Well, how do I know if it's a Toro? I like Toros. Well, you know, if it's in the realm of, if, if it's on the realm of that, you're yeah. probably going to like that cigar. You're like, just look at the size on it. But, it yeah. And it's yeah. And it's like those specific Vitolas, like to me as someone who then smokes a lot of Habanos, then I look for that. So it's like, if I'm going to smoke, you know, Lancero, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm actually smoking, smoking Lancero, you know, it, it's got to be that, you know, Liguito number one, you know, seven core by 38. And it's like, don't make, don't call it a Lancero and bump it up to a 40 ring gauge or a 42 ring gauge because you couldn't get the wrapper to work. If you can't make the Lancero with a wrapper, don't make the Lancero. That's my, like, if you can't make a Churchill, don't make it. So, and that's okay. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, right? So, uh, yeah, Coop, yeah, Coop's in the chat, and he's talking to me. I know that he's going to have you and John on, actually, uh, next month, uh, specifically about this topic. So that, that's yeah. something I want to tune into. Yeah, it 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 gets it gets on my it gets everyone. Like I said, I'm 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 in I'm I'm in I'm with you guys. It really well, does. Mean, remember, it wasn't maybe it was 2007, 2008. That's when Toros. I, I feel like that's when Toros really started coming around. Mm-hmm. yeah and and they were and what was the size back then and it was big remember when they were it was only six by 50 yeah it wasn't even a 52 and then it was like torpedoes were six by 52 and then they're like oh let's make toro six by 52 and then you know in rockies rock every every single one of rockies has a toro that's box press six by 52 but it's like we we went away from that 50 ring gauge and now it just keeps going up and up and up. And it's just, you're not making a Robusto anymore. Robustos are five by fifties. And maybe I'm just an old smoker in that sense. Like, that's just not what it is. It's a great size. Five by 50 is a fantastic size. It's a I, don't, size. I, don't, I don't understand why. And I'm a, cause I'm a Robusto fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big Robusto Coronas. Those are, those are my two Vitolas. Like if you, if you ask me like what, like I'm a, I'm a huge fan of those two Vitolas specifically. Um, and, and my five by 50 is a great shorter, size. Even like, you know, like, cause a Habanos Robusto is four and seven eighths by 50. And you're like, well, that's not that much of a difference. But like, if you look at like a, you know, a Cohiba Robusto or even like a, a Bolivar, uh, you know, Royal Corona, which are, which are true Robustos in that sense that they're four and seven eighths by 50, you compare them to a five by 50 and they look smaller, but then you start throwing out like five by 54s and you have people saying those are Robustos. Like it's a whole new, it's a whole new ball game at this point right well my number one cigar of the year was the uh la barba um ricochet crew mexisol the grand robusto and he calls it grand robusto mm -hmm. um yeah it's six by you know six by 54 so uh, excuse me five by 54 so it's um yeah he doesn't call it like i think that's one of the things i liked about tony doing that because it's like he didn't call it with something it wasn't he didn't call it a robusto yeah. uh thankfully um but yeah it's it's one of those it's one of those uh those things that just gets on my everlasting nerve the the churchill thing specifically like it, it's that again that's a great size too there's i think there's there's just a handful of classic sizes which i think it, it, maybe i don't know it's the one traditionalist maybe one of the few traditional things about me it's just 
there's a size for it just stick to that size if you if you don't want to do it that's fine just create something else so i mean yeah so unofficially they call it the speaking of churchill so unofficially the hoyt of nicaragua calls the la premiere churchill yes yeah. it's, it's six and, and six and seven eighths by 48 so it's not quite seven and it's a bigger gauge bigger gauge so it's it, it's more of like a, it's more of a grand corona in that sense which you know yes it's close but it's just it's it's just not there i mean they could make a churchill yeah but what are they gonna do when they make a Churchill? you know what i mean one day they're gonna release the seven by 47 they're gonna be like oh crap we can't call this a churchill <laughs> we, we just created we already used it what are we gonna call it that's why I think they should stick with the names. They're a lot premiere, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's the lot premiere. What is it? It's a lot premiere. Like yeah, that's premiere. It. there you yeah. go. Just give it a, yeah. Give it a name or just put like, you know, I think Charlie one time, just put the, put the, uh, the measurements, you know, put the ring gauge and then the measurements on the size of the box. Um, Jay's talking about uh, the, the Panatella. There's, there's an underrated size too. That doesn't get made at all like in for outside the Cuban market. Yeah. And I, I, I enjoy that size too. Yeah. There's a lot of good sizes, which, um, you know, the other size, um, and, uh, Ernie with EP Carrillo does that kind of nozzle size a lot, mm -hmm. which I think is, I think it's like five and seven eighths by 52 or something like that. I think it's like the Seaglow, the Seaglow six at that size. Um, and that's just, uh, five, yeah, five and seven eighths by fifty-two. That's that's a great size, but it's not a Toro because it's a little bit, a little bit shorter and a little bit mm -hmm. wider. I, yeah, I just think that I mean, there, we have we this industry is froth with so much creativity, and they go into they go into so much to create these cigars, and there's these stories behind them. Some some of them are a little bit more elaborate and over the top than others, but oh yeah, yeah. When it comes to like the sizing of it, and then like to go all that way and then to get it wrong, it just seems like man, what a cop out! Like, like how'd you do that? Like yeah, it's so it's so it's so frustrating for me. Um, I'm glad I'm glad I share uh, I'm glad I, I share that with you guys because I, I no, you were I, you were not the you were not the only one. I, I, I enjoy that with you, but yeah, check out, um, check out developing palettes. Like seriously, uh, most binge worthy cigar, uh, content out there. I mean, like I said, you'll look up three hours later and be like, man, I went through, you know, 20 reviews. It's freaking awesome. <laughs> um, I do that too. Like I'll, I'll, I'll specifically like, I, I do not, I, I specifically wait a few weeks cause you guys release them in bat, you know, in batches In batches and then just yeah. watch them. Yeah. Yeah. And it, because it makes it just it's just so much more entertaining that way uh in my mind than watching one review at a time like i'll catch one review here and it's like no man gotta gotta roll with the binge oh just yeah you get, yeah you'd have to do bunches of them i couldn't just do one little thing what what uh so when you guys are doing those reviews because you you obviously you you obviously don't sit you you don't you know do a 15 minute show here and a 15 minute show. i mean you guys get together and do quite a few of them together right yeah we'll knock out a bunch of them all at one time which is, which is, you know, sometimes it's entertaining. Sometimes we'll make reference to something and then we'll be, Aaron will be like, yeah, they're not going to see this for about two months. And we're like, oh, all right. <laughs> what's your, what's your favorite part about doing the reviews? Um, in that, in that context, the, uh, the, the, uh, the short shows. 
I just like seeing where where we are and seeing what everybody thinks about it. I think the the entertaining is aspect is when we're all on like the same page or really close to it. Um, and it's even cooler when we're all picking up like really similar notes or really similar qualities to cigars. That's that's really what's fun is finding something that like all four of us are like, yes, this is it. I, I find I find your your takes on interviews both written and in the the show context to probably be the most entertaining just because like I mean when you you when you really love a cigar you know oh, like the one we're smoking I mean it. yeah you're 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 all in you're like eight you know eight point two three and and for people out there who first of all if y'all haven't checked out developing palettes do that their scoring system is unlike any other and if you've been living under a rock you don't know that it's 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 quite the discussion topic through the industry. Uh, they're like, people like get a score and they're like, I don't know. Is that good? I'm like, well, they published their scoring. It's, it's right there. It's a 10 point scale. It's, it's pretty, you know, it's right there in front of you. Just yeah. Read, you got to read on it. Um, but it's, it's highly entertaining, but yeah, you, you, you go all in and then, but at the, at the same, by the same token, if you hate a cigar, like, I mean, you burn it to the ground. <laughs> like, I, will, I will destroy it. <laughs> if, yeah, if I hate it, it is done. It is dead to me. Um, but yeah, it's I I'm I'm much more as as Aaron will say I'm harsher on cigars than he is and he's and he's correct. Um, but I'm also like when I'm when I'm really behind the cigar, it's it drives it probably drives Aaron crazy. It's like man, one of these days Seth's gonna get in the nines and it's just gonna piss me, piss me <laughs> off. So is eight point two three the highest score that you've given for the the Hoya La Premier? I think it's I think it's I think it is one of the. If it's Didn't you do an eight point four at some point? I think there was an eight four eight point four seven or something. Maybe the Davidoff fiftieth, the those D uh, D demos may have gotten it. Um, but yeah, this one's one of the higher ones, which is crazy. Coop's uh, Coop's mentioning he's like funny. Everyone understands Dave Portnoy's pizza reviews, but they somehow don't understand the the, the developing palate system. It's the exact same concept. <laughs> yeah, the one bite pizza. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I was listening. I can't remember the cigar, but I just I just found it so entertaining. Like it, it was a cigar that really didn't perform well across the entire panel, but man, you just you really just torched it, man. I think it was like in the threes. Like, oh, it, it was yeah. like high threes it was just ridiculous i was like i was like man oh yeah i had nothing i had nothing positive to say about it i i know uh, and then one which was um june actually and i i see i i, I i'm most entertained by yours i i'm intrigued by aaron's because as the joke goes aaron hates everything so i i have this i think i have this understanding of aaron's sliding scale of excellence like what he goes back to and what he doesn't um, in terms of like scoring relationship to it. Yes. Um, and so that, that oh, he's, he, I'm always interested to see his take and I'm interested. I'm, I, I love like saying, Hey, have you smoked this cigar? Um, yet. And like, even if before it's published, I'm like, Hey, this is where I think you're at. And, you know, I like to see if I can guess where he, where he aligns. Um, that's probably, that's where it's most interesting for me. John, John, John's very, I think is like a, a dialed down version of you. Cause he, he'll, he'll yes. love a cigar and he also has no qualms about, you know, torching it too. I just feel bad for June. Like every time he gets on these reviews and he's just like, well, what was your experience? Like, Oh, it was average. 
Like, I just want someone to blow. I, I want someone to give June a good, like a good cigar. Like, I'm like, just hand this man a good cigar he'll, for God's he'll say, sake. He'll say he was average. You know, sometimes June, I find will be harsher when he's describing his experience, but his score will be better than mine. I'm like, right. man, you're, you're killing it right now, but you, you scored it better than I did. Um, well, his, his kinds end up in the sixes, like the low sixes, high, you know, high yeah. fives. And his, yeah, his decorum is very similar in terms of experience is very similar to Aaron's and Aaron's like a point lower. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm waiting for the day when, when Aaron, there are many times where I'm reviewing a cigar and I'm like, man, I really wonder what Aaron's going to give this. I really wonder where he'll end up on this. Cause sometimes I think I've nailed it. And then I'll look at him and be like, whoa, I was way off. It always is the most intriguing. Like, um, I, uh, I'm really, I'm really anxious to see what he thinks of the the new Monte Cristo, the 80th anniversary, of the 1935. I, Coop and I absolutely love that cigar. We just bought it, and, oh, and he was yeah, like, yeah. and I told him, I was like, I was like, I think uh, Coop and I said, I was like, I think I have the, I have the over, I have the over under set of, uh, I was pretty generous. I said 5.75 for Aaron. For oh, for, for that, Aaron, like which I just, is that's the eight, and that's the AJ. Yeah, it's a, it's AJ made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And which, which he, he, you know, he typically is not a, a, a the, the biggest fan of. And so I, I'm being very generous, but I, I mean, I really thought it was that good. I think, I think he'll, I think he'll enjoy it. I think we he really will. We, have we published it? I, if you have, I haven't seen it yet. I wanted to, I wanted to be surprised by it. You, you have, so you guys have reviewed it. We reviewed it. Okay. You have to look if you have to look if we published it yet. Cause okay. I don't want to be the idiot. Aaron will be like, what the hell did you tell the score for? We yeah. Yeah, don't, yeah. Don't do Yeah. I don't want to get you in trouble. So yeah, but I'm, I'm anxious to see that one from him yeah. specifically. I think it'll be, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting that one specifically. Um, but uh, I, I was really surprised on another cigar that he, he, and it actually performed really well in your top 25, which we'll get into a little bit later. Cause I, I, I just thought, you know, I, I, I thought it was going to be like high force for him maybe and yeah i ended up getting was the camacho nicaraguan oh yeah he was yeah he was really high on that yeah yeah for, for aaron standards yeah he was high on it and i was like yeah. wow wow that really surprised me that um, did well for that did well for all of us yeah the panel it performed well on the panel i do not think we i did not go in there thinking it was going to to smoke as well as it did so we'll get into that subject here in a little bit later but we want to break this up with uh with our what a fun segments for the show and this is a set. This is the first time you've participated in this. Uh, yes. This is our this is our one must go segment. And as always, it's brought to you by United Cigars, fe- featuring La Giana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabe and Byron lines. So smoke one today and start living united. So I'm 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 doing a double dose. I've done this a couple of times now, but I I, I just couldn't resist. There are two subjects that I wanted to do tonight uh, when it came to. Um, when it came to uh, one must go. So uh, one bears on our conversation, the context of our conversation tonight, and that has to do with Habano cigars. And we've alluded to it a little bit earlier in previous discussion, when we were talking about ma- the manufacturing of these cigars. And there's, yeah. there's three prominent factories in Cuba. So it, it's interesting. We're talking about, you know, you, when we talk about factories, like, you know, uh, Hoy de Nicaragua, for example, Nicosuania for a small boutique, you know, yeah. Zona small boutique, uh, to, you know, uh, to larger ones like Davidoff, obviously, which, uh, Drew Estate, 
um, is mm-hmm. just massive. My father is also very large as well. Um, AJ, we were talking about AJ earlier. Very, he's got two operations, uh, one a little yeah. bit smaller than the other, but I mean, collectively, very large operation. So, oh yeah, three. Uh, and I and I, I came up with these three, and 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 you certainly have uh, uh, the uh, the privilege of of knocking me down if I'm incorrect. But these are the three factories that I came up with from from Hambana specifically, La Corona okay. factory. Uh, the Partagas factory, also known as the Francisco Perez Herman. Okay. And they call it the Romeo and Julieta H. Upman factory. So the th- there's three. The, the Romeo and Julieta H. Upman is actually a combined factory. Yeah. Um, are there any others? Or, or, these are the three that I've, that I've known about, that I've more documented than others. I mean, are there any others that I'm missing? But those are the three that I came up with. Uh, Legito, uh, the uh, factory where a lot of the Cohibas are made in Trinidad's. Um, <clears throat> there's, yeah, there's a couple. I know that there's, I know that there's other ones, and I know that there's one down in Pinar del Rio where the, um, oh my gosh, I can't even think of the brands are that brand's name is made, but yeah. There's so those are the three we're picking. We got Partagas. Yeah, so La Corona, Partagas factory, and uh, and also Romeo and Juliette H. Upman. So one of them's got to go. That's the whole concept. One of them's got to go. If you can, you never, you can never smoke another cigar from one of these factories again. Which one's getting kicked to the curb? Which two are you betting on? <clears throat> oh, I'm gonna bet on Corona and the Partagas, just because Partagas has the history. La Corona, I know, is a, is, a, is more of a prominent factory. Those are the two I'm going with. See, I I was like that as well. I, everyone that I've ever talked to again in this realm, like really raves on La Corona. La Corona typically produces some really really good quality products. It usually yeah. comes out very consistent by you know Habano standards, like we were talking about. Um, and the Partagas factory has that you know, like you said, that history to it. I, I mean, other than obvious, the obvious, because they're named Robin Julieta and H. Upman, I can't think of anything else that necessarily comes out of those factories, that well, factory they, in particular. Well, and they move the brands all around as well, so they're not they're not tied down to those factories. Um, but La Corona, I've just had really good success with, and, and the Partagas factory, you know, th- that was, from my understanding, the old TEB08, and it's just got so much his- history there that we, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have to keep that one as well. This is something that I was going to ask you because I was thinking about it. Um, how are, and, and it hasn't come up at all at all tonight, and it hasn't come. It didn't come up at all in our previous discussion about Habano cigars, but it is fraught with history and and, and is actually, in a way, this family name is is, is seeped into the American market um, through uh, through Spence Drake's company, uh, White Hat or La Familia Robina. Yeah. Um, and that's the Robina name. So Hiroshi Robina, uh, but it, of course his, his grandfather, Alejandro Robina, who made the name famous. Yeah. Do they, do they do it? Are they, ver- are they basically vertically integrated? Cause I couldn't find anything that it was manufactured in one of these factories or somewhere else. No, Obviously, I, they're... Mean, I mean, they, I, I know that they, I know that their tobaccos, you know, taken by the government or bought by the government. Um, I, you know, I, no, they're. I doubt they're vertically integrated. I'm sure they could do some farm rolled stuff, but no, none of like the main stuff ever comes out of their area. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't even know what's going on there either, because you know, I don't know what Hiroshi's doing. I know his dad's running an LCDH. I think his dad was running an LCDH in, in Habana. Um, he didn't work in the fields, so I don't, 
I don't know what's going on there. How do you feel about the Robina cigars? The um the the Habanas. Yeah, the oh. Um I never really got into that those brands, the Vega Fina Robina. There's um it's almost like a I can't remember what size it was. They had like a Robusta, which which was pretty decent, but I never really got into to that brand. It wasn't really one that spoke to me. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was interesting to hear your feedback on it, just because it didn't come up in the previous show, and 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 it's a, and it's a, I mean, we're talking about one of the foremost names. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still associated with with the island of Cuba. Yeah. And when uh, when Hiroshi ventured out uh, of of the island, I know it, it carried a lot of again it carried that a lot of that mystique with it. There was a lot yeah. of that. He brought no, it, he brought that name with him. Um, so it's but yeah, I, I'm not big into the actual Habanos brand with his name on it. All right, so this is uh, yeah, I was interested to hear your thoughts on the on the factories and everything. But so oh, let me, I gotta run to the bathroom really quick. I'm sorry, man. No problem, no problem. Well, so I'll I'll reserve my second one. Must go. So uh, as Seth takes a quick break here, we'll uh, we'll kind of just take a break and everything. I'm interested to hear uh, y'all's thoughts on uh, factories in general. If you guys have any thoughts on um, the factories, whether it's again, I've heard um, you know from numerous sources and my own experience, Lucrona tends to be uh, again one of the most best performing. Uh, factories coming out of the island of Cuba. The cigars that come out of there uh, tend to be the most consistent. And again, in my in my very small experience, and then but from everything that I've heard from people like Seth, uh, John McTavish, and some others uh, that are uh, you know um, fans of the Habano cigars, the Lacronas tends to be a little bit better performing um, than some of these other factories. Uh, Partigas is interesting because you know, like, like Seth was talking about the historical context of that particular, it's the oldest, it's the oldest factory there in Cuba. And, and it, it produces a lot of, a, still a lot of cigars and it might, I, I'm probably wrong on this, but I think it's one of the, I think it's the largest operation that they've got running. Um, but I, that is, uh, those are, those are some of the factories that we, the top three factories, at least that I could find. Uh, when I was when I was preparing this 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 segment for Seth, and I wanted to get his his take on it, as well as on the operation of the Robina family, because again, that's one of the first names of Cuba. Still, again, still associated with the island, um, and you know, and they uh, that was probably the the one prominent family to, to, that actually stayed behind and chose to ride it, ride out the uh, the uh, the fallout with the. Uh, the uh, the tragedy of the takeover regime by the Castro family, but um, the uh, I've I've always I've always found that cigars uh, manufactured in Lacro and just tend to perform better. Um, that's my own finding too. Again, my my experience is so much pales in comparison to someone like our Seth, uh, our guest tonight, Seth. Um, but that's just can kind of been my observation. I'm back, man. Thank you. Oh, no worries. So, uh, next round. Yeah. So we've got another one must go. Uh, and, and actually Sean miles is bringing up an interesting question. I think we tackled this the first time around, but I'll, I'll bring that up after we do this, this next one must go. Um, and so again, we're go back to the beginning of our conversation with your, your love of the university of Oklahoma. Now I know one of, I know one of the answers, but so this is really 
between the two others. This this is a one must go with one Oklahoma. must go. One, one must, must go. go. So one's got to go. One's got to go kick to the curb. So, all right. Ooh. Baker, Kyler, Hurts. One's got to go. Can't root for any of them. Can't can't root for them anymore. If I told you that, which one are you kicking? And I know I I know one of them stay. I know the one that's staying. So, but you can go ahead and say it. Oh, well, Baker's staying. Right. Baker's. Oh, this is. Gosh. I knew this was going to be the harder of the two questions, too. <laughs> you know, Jay, I love Jalen Hurd's heart, and I feel like when you said, "Did you you watch some of his games when he was playing for the Eagles?" Right. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's a drive that he has that that i that i love and i think in his drive and his desire makes up for what he lacks in speed that kyler has and i think what he lacks in in throwing skills that baker has even though people are going to tell me what's throwing skills does baker have but baker can throw interceptions better than anyone i know um <laughs> beautiful interceptions um i i would probably have to I probably have to let go of Jalen. And the reason for that is just because Kyler Murray is fun and he's a speed demon and watching him run in real life is re at full speed is ridiculous. He's super fast. Yeah. That, um, remember the year where they lost, they lost the, uh, the cotton bowl to Texas and then they beat him in the big 12 championship. Um, but when, when they were down, I think they're down by seven and then Kyler ran like that 65 yard touchdown. I remember like seeing him run in my direction. I was just like, holy shit, this kid is fast. So that's, yeah, I probably have to get rid of Jalen. Of course now Jalen's going to do something great because of that. So there you go. So which one's going? Jalen, I'm keeping Kyler. You're keeping Kyler? You got to keep Kyler. K1. It's tough, though. That's really tough. Well, see, this one's easy for me. I'll, I'll kick Baker to the curb all day long. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, listen, Baker's, Baker's the easier one. Baker's the easier one. To hate, right? Yeah. <laughs> to hate out of those. That's, I mean, listen, if I was, you know, was it Colin Coward? He'd kick, he'd kick Baker to the to the side, even if you want a Super Bowl for the Browns. So... I, yeah. I, I remember when we were originally scheduling this show, we had it slated for Super Bowl Sunday um, uh, originally, but uh, I had a scheduling conflict already. So, um, and I messed up in your, but your original comment was like, yeah, um, uh, or no, it was the week before the Super Bowl, excuse me. You're like, yes, uh, the Browns will be resting for the Super Bowl. So I'm good for that day. And I was, <laughs> like, it was, like, I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. There, listen, there was that chance. God, against the Chiefs, so close. I, I, man, I would real, I would real, you know, look, as much as I don't like him, um, I, I relish the idea of Cleveland's return to that level of, of play. Just, just, yeah, I, I think it's just, you know, it, it has to happen at some point in our lifetime, I think. And whether it's Baker or somebody else that we, we're not even aware of at the time, but, um, 
man, it would just be really great to just see them come back at some point. Like it would be good for football, historically speaking. Like I'm not, I, I mean, I could take Cleveland or leave them. I, I just, you know, you know, in terms of, in terms of fanship, but it's, it's a team with history and it's a team with, with a fan base. Um, I think the most painful aspect about rooting for them, my wife will say is just the colors are damn terrible. <laughs> um, that, that's her beef. She's like, God, I'm, I'm tired of this brown and orange. Um, yeah, brown, brown's such a secondary color, which is hilarious because they're the browns, but or their helmets are orange. That's always like, loved it. My wife asked the same question. She's like, yeah, Why are they the browns? Because <laughs> I, I told Katie, I said, That is a brown shade of orange right there. <laughs> so, yeah. I just like, yeah, like you said, I like Jalen Hurts's heart and I just, Kyler's uh, native ability is just, is just stellar. Oh yeah. I always, I always worry. I hate watching Kyler play sometimes cause I'm always afraid he's just going to get killed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's just going to get drilled and it's going to be like, God, I hope that's not, I hope that's not the last tackle. Um, cause he's so little, but he's a beast. Well, that was our that was our one must go segment. Thanks for uh, thanks for participating in that set. Uh, yeah, man. Is is always a double dose tonight. So as always, it's brought to you by uh, United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron line. So smoke one today and start living united. Um, so this next segment has become again, it's become one of our, our favorites here on this show. Um, and I, I think it's 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 always really great to get our guests uh, perspective on this. And this is something that I started on my birthday last October. And uh, each week I've been asking my guests to spotlight highlight, uh, bring awareness to a charity or nonprofit of their choosing. And we've had some great ones along the way. And tonight we have a very different one as well, uh, chosen by Seth. And uh, that is actually a uh, glory ridge now uh seth i'm going to step away for a moment and let you talk about it specifically yeah. uh but i wanted to give a little bit of a highlight i think that the, you know this is uh this is a this is a this is a camp an organization uh that is it's it's based in it's it's based in your home state right of north carolina it's in north, Car- it's in north carolina and it actually has a lot of family ties for you specifically but it is a, it is a non-denominational christian uh camp and um and that uh, brings a lot of a lot of a lot of communities together because it is non-denominational, so it's not specifically Episcopalian or Methodist or anything like that. Yeah. So it brings a lot of a lot of uh, uh, different uh, sects within uh, Christianity together, and and just a very interesting organization. So, uh, Seth, I'm going to give you the give you the spotlight here. Let you talk a little bit about Glory Original. I'll, I'll be right back. Yeah, man. It's a uh, non-denominational. Christian camp uh, based in uh, Marshall, North Carolina, just north of Asheville. And what it, it's, it's open for, you know, everyone, groups and individuals. And it's an opportunity for you to, um, in some aspects, it's a, it's, a, it's a place of healing. It's a place of reflection where you can, you can go and um, find yourself. And it's also, there's an opportunity, especially during the summer, they have a summer ministry um, where church groups throughout um, right now there's, there's been Pennsylvania, there's Maryland, North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina, um, where Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, um, 
they they send their youth from youth groups um that's where my connection is um to madison county um and they work with the uh, community housing coalition chc up there um to help families in needs um and you know it's whether it's you know, installing a rubber membrane roof or just doing roof work or carpentry work, um, interior work, just helping helping the, the residents in the community. Um, and it's a great experience for youth to use their hands and at the same time, you know, mature as, as individuals. Um, you know, there's there's worship at nights. There's there's no cell service. There's no TVs. There's none of it up there. When when it, when we go up there, it's everything's put away, and it's just you're there with your your group of people. Um, but yeah, it's close to me. It's I've been doing it for for years. I've been going up there for years. My wife grew up doing it. Um, she went as a child, and you know, she still she still goes up there. She's on the board of directors, and uh, yeah wonderful time to help people out and and, and I, I don't know if i missed it seth but you were we were talking about this before the show and you were talking about your 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 wife's connection to this this particular yeah. camp and i mean she started going when she was a child yeah she went she went as a child all of her sisters went um her mom went her her father went um oh as, wow as, well okay. yeah they went they went as adults so they went as like advisors with the youth group in our church um and so she went up as a high, well, she went up as a high schooler. She went up as a college student. She was advisor. Um, she went up as, as like a volunteer staff um, with our church group. And she's actually on the board of directors. And she took the, one of the previous board members who, uh, his name was Robert Payne, who basically kept this thing going for over 30 years, uh, died of a brain tumor um, last year. Um, and he was, you know, he was close with us, but he, well, actually he was very close. He was a godfather to our, our youngest. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But he was on the board of directors with her, her dad. And then he, and she was on like an advisory and then she got moved up to the board of directors because they needed another Episcopalian to balance out the Baptists and the <laughs> Presbyterians and the Methodists. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, uh, when I, when I grew up, I grew, I grew up in, I grew up in the church too. And I grew up, I, I grew up as a Methodist. I attended Presbyterian church now, but, um, and, uh, the, I, I attended a camp too, uh, Sacramento Methodist assembly and as a, as a youth and spent many summers there. Um, yeah. my, my sister did as well. She, she was on staff for a year and, and things like that, or a summer rather. And, uh, it's uh, it, you know when you when you brought this up uh, as your as your as your as your charity of choice tonight, man, it 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 brought back all sorts of nostalgia for me because I, I I remember what it was like and I remember those summers. I remember the the I mean I have lifelong friends that I met at this yeah. camp. I still I mean I still talk to them to this day and we still we still share. Uh, you know now we're talking about you know our kids and you know at the time we were just kids. You know so it's 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 crazy how uh, those those kind of lifelong friendships form and everything like that and, and uh you know your your you know your girls will go there one day and oh know. yeah they've yeah they they went up there as they go up there all the time so yeah it's great so, up there but it's a proud proud moment for your wife you mm -hmm. know for, for her experience there her own kids going to where she where she obviously got so much fulfillment as a child 
Yeah, it's multiple generations. So I mean, uh, so who? Uh, so is it the board? Or is it? Is there actually a, a, a you know, a, a, I guess a leader now uh, of the of the camp, or is it is it the board that kind of decides certain things? Or yeah, they have a they have a full time camp director. Um, her name is Jennifer Horde, um, and she lives she lives up in she lives in the county, so she lives basically near the camp. Um, and then they have the board of directors who are the caretakers for it. Um, and they live just throughout the whole area and they meet, you know, four times a year in person. Um, you know, they've been doing a lot more zoom calls now, but, um, so yeah, everybody, everybody goes up there and spends times and yeah, it's under the direction of a board. What, so that, so that was something I was going to ask, like, so what did, what did the camp do in 2020? Did they, I mean, they still have functions or, I mean, were they shut down for basically a year or? They could, um, they did. I mean, you're able to go up as like individuals or small group, like a, a small group. So there were some individuals who did it. They didn't have any like summer ministry. Um, Cause when, when, when we were much more involved, you know, before our girls got a little bit older, you would have you know, 40 high school students, juniors and seniors in high school, um, go up for about a week and they, you know, that's what you'd have like a week up there. Um, but they didn't, they didn't have that, that last year, I think, I don't know what they're going to, I don't know what their plans are for this year. Um, and I don't know what, you know, our local church, what their plans are for it as well, <clears throat> but they wanted to, um, I think actually they are going and they want to make sure that they, the kids all get a chance, but so yeah, it's, I think it'll be back in full swing. I think last summer, the summer ministry just was, took a, took a breather. Well, it's, I'm, I, I need to check in on the, the camp that I went to as a kid. Cause I, I honestly don't know what the, I, it, it, yeah. it, it, it actually escaped me until, until you brought this subject up. I'm like, man, I need to check to see how they're actually doing. Um, see if that I can help and contribute in any way. But uh as always, every week, uh, you know, I ask my guests to to spotlight a charity or nonprofit of their choice, and then I commit. Uh, my wife and I discussed this uh, when when I brought up the segment. We we're committing a, a donation every week, and so uh, later tonight, uh, Seth, in your family, in your family's honor, I'm going to be. Uh, uh, my family's going to be making a small donation to Glory Ridge. So, Barry, you didn't need to do that. I appreciate that. That's wonderful. Um. But yeah, I, I, it's, uh, you know, it, it really spoke to me when you, when you picked it and I was still, I was like just researching it about it. And I was like, man, this just brought, it brought back so many memories. It was really great. Mm -hmm. Just really great. Um, and we've, uh, there's, we've done a lot of wonderful things and we've done like really, it's in the Blue Ridge Mountains, So you can, on the Ridge, you can see into Tennessee. Um, oh, wow. Oh yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. So and like we would do you know, you have like little services and we did like, um, you know, like those floating candles that are in like little, little, they're not like balloons, but you know what I mean? They look like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. We've like, we've floating luminarios, but that's not what they're called. Um, yeah, yeah. We've, la we've launched those things from the Ridge, which is pretty incredible just to watch those. Um, just in, listen, there's nothing up there. So it's just stars at nighttime. It's great. And you were saying from, like, away yeah. from the noise of the world there there's something about the mountains like that's that's something that uh, we've like i've had with numerous discussions with my wife is the same way like i'm not a beach guy 
I know you love the beach. I'm not a beach guy. Yeah. I give, give me the mountains every time, man. That's that seclusion and um, that kind of being one back to nature and everything. I'm, I'm all about that. Um, yeah. That's kind of like my, my haven for me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. But I uh, appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you bringing uh, back some great memories for me as a kid too, uh, with this, with the subject tonight. So yeah, I'm pleased to, pleased to be doing that uh, donation later. So um, we have got a couple of other questions here tonight, Seth. Now one, I, I was, we'll bring back the subject of Habanos for one more second. Cause I thought, we, we, I think we touched on this in take 60, but uh, Sean Miles brought this up. And I, so I wanted to, I wanted to kind of open it up. I think we were, and that has to do with, um, um, and now, now I'm losing the question. Um, oh goodness. Um, oh, there it is. So Sean asked, why, why do you Cubans still have issues with plugging are draw testers just not available in Cuba, or is it just something that that doesn't uh, that doesn't get a test or anything? And I and I, I kind of agree because like I, I find again this is an overwhelmingly generality, right? But I find to be that Cubans tend to have a more firm draw, yeah, overwhel overwhelmingly over, you know, not non non habanos. They do. I I think in general that they do have a firmer draw. Um... And I think for me, it's someone, it's, it's someone who's, who's spent a lot of time smoking mostly Cubans. When, when you have that firmer draw, you kind of get used to it. So you're like, I'm a fan of it. Uh, so when you smoke like some non there's a lot of non-Cubans, which I think like the draw is too loose. Um, I just think they're, they're just smoking super fast. Um, I know that they have the draw masters. I, I, I've never had as many problems in recent years with plugs, but I know I, some people still have them. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I'm sure they have them. I just don't, I, I just don't think that probably the level of quality control is, is what <laughs> it is in some of the, in Nicaragua or in like Dominican Republic, you're, you're not going to have that high level of quality control. Well, I mean, there are, I mean, there are many manufacturers that you and I both know that draw test absolutely every single cigar, which is just mind blowing to me. Oh yeah. And, uh, but they, they still do. And they, and they still test through it. And I mean, I was, I mean, I witnessed some draw testing at, I mean, a very smaller operation at uh, El Teton bronze in Miami, you know, uh, and I was, I was watching them draw test almost every cigar and um, you know, and I'm just like, I can't imagine on the, on a larger scale, cause there's such a small scale, right. When you oh, think yeah. relatively speaking, uh, like a larger scale operations, draw testing every single cigar, just like, good gosh. I mean, Drew, Drew State draw tests everything, don't they? Yes, they're one of them. I know Lido yeah. does at, at um, you know, La Florida Minicana. Uh, yeah. Steve, Steve draw tests always every, every cigar. I mean, there are, there are a lot. There are plenty of them that do it. I just, to me, it's just, it's a, it's a mind-blowing number when you think about some of the the size in terms of operation. I mean, Drew Estate, I mean, that's oh, yeah. massive, massive. Gosh, tons. I mean, uh, what the hundreds of thousands of cigars a day just produced? I think that's. I think it's somewhere around there, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. That's just God. It's insane to think <laughs> about. Just insane. Like, yeah, I I just can't imagine. Like, that's just one more step, and not a, not an unnecessary step, mind you, but just another step in the whole process of of making a cigar. Yes. So, um, 
but yeah, just a quick return to Habans because I thought that was an interesting question that Sean brought because they are again like they are more firm like that's again that's just a, a, a it is a generality but it is a it is a reality of of the cigars in general. Yeah, it's it, I think they have a firmer draw in general, um, and I I think I I know that there have been I haven't been to the factories but I I understand that a lot more draw machines have been put into place because I think that they did have a problem there with draws but i think they addressed it and it's they're still working on it absolutely so i wanted to to kick off this uh, this this other part of the show here seth i wanted to kind of go back we, we alluded to it earlier you you already uh we already talked about the la premiere which was your personal number one this yeah. past year uh 8.23 very high score um which didn't I mean, you tried, obviously you tried your hardest to get it to be the number one, but it was not the number one cigar for developing palettes. It was, you guys did for the first time, you guys did a collective top 25. We did. Um, which there was actually a tie for, there were two ties, right? There's one at the 25th cigar was a tie. And then you guys had another one at 14, right? Or something like that. If I uh, remember. 15 and 15. 15 and 25. Yeah. So uh, La Premier got number three on the list. Uh, so uh, I know you're, I know you're disappointed by that, but uh, it obviously performed pretty well. Um, but, um, but the number one cigar of the year did, did very well uh, with you. Uh, well, all across the board, obviously. Yeah. Um, but with you had the highest score for this cigar and that was the, the Avo Maduro yes. uh, was the number one cigar of the year. You gave it a. Uh, 7.8. Yeah. 7.8 um 7.88 specifically 8, so almost 8, a, yeah. so almost 7.9 almost 7.9 uh, june was next with 7.37 um interestingly oh no never mind i was gonna say interesting i thought john was the lowest aaron was still the lowest <laughs> but it's six, the lowest, six it was, point it seven yeah 6.67 so almost a seven yeah um so i mean all all over six uh all over 6.5 which is a a huge, a huge thing. How, how are you like overall again with, obviously you would have wanted the La Premier, but overall with that, with that was end result, were you, were you pretty satisfied with it? Yeah, I really was. I, I, I think it's, um, I don't think the Avo Maduro got enough attention. Um, I think, I think you're right. It's, yeah. Um, I think it's a great Connecticut broadleaf. Um, and I know, when I, you know, when, when they first came out, you know, I was smoking and I was like, oh my gosh, the first time I smoked one, I was like, maybe I'm just smoking one, one really good one and the rest will be average. But I found so much consistency, even across all the different Vitolas for that release. Um, and it, I, I was kind of shocked about how high it did for all of us. Um, but at the same time, I know for you know my brick and mortar Savannah fills, I know that a lot of consumers really like them. Um, they think it's a great broadleaf. They think it's a really good blend. Um, and there's a lot of people that got got behind it, but it, it just didn't get it didn't have a big splash when it got re-released back to the market, um, which is kind of a shame. Yeah, I I, I feel like it was almost um, it just. I, I, and I don't think that, I, I think they did a good job of promoting it. I just, uh, yeah, it just kind of seemed to get lost in the wind. Maybe it was, you know, 
the year of COVID and everything. But I, I feel like there were a lot of other cigars that they, they really pushed forward more. Like I think uh, another cigar that ended up on your list, which we'll get into in just a second, was the, the, the Intenso, which I have my own thoughts on as well. But the, this, the number two cigar was also, it was a Davidoff as well. So you had two Davidoffs at the top, Avo. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, there some Davidoff. <laughs> and then and then the Ginza, 10th, 10th anniversary that, that finished number two. Also really well-liked by all of you. Uh, Aaron was not the lowest score on that one. No, John was. Yeah. Yeah, which is, yeah. Everyone saw that happens. Um, that, I need to go back and read that, read that review or watch that watch that review because June loved it. I think that was June's highest score, maybe seven seven point four two. Um, like I've always said, I've always felt bad for June because every time I listen, he's like, "Oh, I, my experience was average." <laughs> you know, I'm just like, "Gosh, man, I just want someone to blow this guy away." <laughs> but I need to I need to go back and watch this this particular review because um, just to get his reaction so I could. <laughs> he was probably better. he was probably too negative on it too during the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was not so not bad just you know, not like, bad it was all right um but I, I remember he was saying um uh he he felt that the uh the uh, the uh the first third was good which you know has um and, and it usually tails off from there but he actually it actually went up it actually went up in the second part of the performance which to very good you were you were pretty solid all the way through just good 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 i thought it was yeah i thought i mean especially for a cigar like that size um you know but it, it's a big it's a big cigar i don't know if you smoked it um it's big so it, it's one of these things that for it to keep keep our attention as long as it did um is a good sign no absolutely so that so that to to keep with uh to keep with the davidoff here i'm gonna go all the way not, I'll, I'll go back to a couple of others, but to the number 11 was the Robusto Intenso. Now, this was a cigar that I, I just, I, I just thought this, it, it just really didn't fit the, and maybe that obviously may have been the intent, but it just really, it didn't really fit the Davidoff mold for me. It was really interesting. I thought it was too much. I thought, I thought the, it, it did well for us. I think I was the lowest person on it. Um, which is interesting because you're, thought, it's Davidoff, right? So you're typically, you're typically on the higher end of it, which is good. Yeah. I think it was probably one of those things I knew I'd, I needed to balance myself out. Uh, but no, I, I thought it was, I thought there was too much to it. I thought it, I, I thought it was too heavy. Um, and I thought it took away from making a quality blend. Um, so I, I, I wasn't, it, it was still good. I mean, it's still a good cigar, but it's, I, I just, I couldn't get behind it. I thought it was too strong. I, I thought it took away from actual flavors. Um, and when you, when I took that into account, it just, I, I couldn't get behind it, but I know, I think, I think Aaron, I don't know if Aaron was the highest on that or not. I no, he wasn't, he wasn't the, he wasn't even the next lowest. He was the, so it was you at 5.6, John at 6.37 and then Aaron was at 6.47. Yeah. And June really had the good. highest yeah. one on that one. So, yeah, no, but again, another well-performing cigar at number 11. Um, but um, a, a brand that did really well for you guys. So we Davidoff performed well in the list overall between Avo, Cam Camacho and Davidoff. Um, but Drew Estate also did well. They had two in the top 10. You had the, the year of the rat number four, and then also yep. at number, uh, number, uh, uh, number 10, the underground uh, Maduro Corona Pequena. Yes. Um, which, yeah, I which I really liked the underground Madero Pequena. I thought it was a great 
release, which made me think of Underground again. I I've really and I I think I think you're actually pretty low on this. I really enjoy the Sungrown. Um, it's probably my favorite of the three of the three Underground blends. Yeah, is the Sungrown uh, Maduro. Um, it, I, I I'm pretty infamous for the story. The Maduro took me a long time to come around on. To me, I I gave it more chances than I usually. I usually give cigars like three cigars. A ch- you know, I'll smoke three of them to give you know to give it a fair shot to see you if kept, I like it or not. You kept coming back to it. I kept going back to it, just trying to like, okay, what am I missing? What am I? And I, and I finally started liking it. Um, but the the Sun Grown is uh, some is a blend that I really enjoyed right off the bat. And but I think you're over overall. You're you're not you're not terribly high on it as a blend, like overall. Yeah, I'm not I'm not as sold on it. Um... I think the dogma. I think the dogma version, the one that they did for Dojo. I think that one, I was probably I, w- I was higher on. I think I liked it more in that offering than I did the other ones. That Vitola, uh, or format, the dogma in the Maduro and the Sungrown is those are the two best Undercrown products in my opinion. Period. Yeah, I mean, I think the Corona Viva. The Corona Viva, I think, is still really good for me. The Flying Pig and the Maduro. Um, see, I still think that I, I I hate that they called the Underground Maduro Underground Maduro. I would have just kept them Underground because um, mm-hmm. I, I I really like the Corona Viva and I like the the Flying Pig and then I like the Pocano. Um Just because it, it's they're really and even the Dojo, they're rich. They're 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 flavorful. They're, there's there's a lot going on for the cigar. So it's, it's good. It's a good experience in my opinion. What, what cigar were you, I guess, disappointed that performed well on the list where you're just like, man, was it, was it the Intenso that because it did so, it got so high and you were just, you, you just weren't feeling it as much or was it, was there something else on the list that you just really stood out as, as didn't fit Seth's, you know, the, the uh, I think the, the Roas KSG did not. I'm trying to re- I'm trying to remember now. The that, Roas, that was number six. That came in yeah, at number six. That one did not speak to me at all, and I know the I know the guys loved it. Um, and then I think you know I think Aaron and I were a little bit lower on the um, Black Label Super Deluxe Lancero, um, but I know June and Aaron, and John were higher on it. Um, which it's kind of interesting to see where I think a lot of people think that more often than not, June and I are going to be like the same. Maybe we are. And I just don't know the numbers as well as, as Aaron does. Um, but I typically, you know, I'm usually either high with, I feel like I'm all over the place to be quite honest with you. No, but we said that earlier, like, yeah. like you have no problem giving, giving a cigar praise and, but you also have no problem burning it to the ground if it's just, if it's not worthy of it. Yeah. Aaron. I don't think, I, I don't think Aaron and I have ever been the two highest, but I know Aaron and I have been the two lowest. Um, and I think usually if I'm on the highest, it's usually John and I or June and I. Yeah. Like the, the one that I just thoroughly enjoyed was the, uh, was the punch chop suey, which June actually liked. Um, he loved it. Yeah, and, and <laughs> we, like to, we like to remind them that he loved it too. But the, of course, there's there's what, what what the knuckle buster. I smoked the punch knuckle buster, and for some reason, you know, after I smoked it, Aaron and them were wondering what the heck was I smoking. 
Um, <laughs> so it's just one of these things. Sometimes the cigars speak to you. Yeah, that's why it's interesting. One of the, the cigars that I was really pleased that made your list and also made uh, Dojo's list too was, and it came in uh, in the low twenties was the Esteban Carreras Cashmere. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good that's a good Connecticut. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that cigar. I thought it was I thought it was, and I'm I'm not typically a fan of that brand overall. Yeah, um, uh, Mr. Brownstone a few years ago took the took the least from my small little corner of the world. It seemed like it really took the world by storm a little bit. Um, and I just that was that was a cigar I just never. Unfortunately, I I could never get to perform for yeah. me. Um, and so like I you know someone say well what did you think of it I'm like I would love to give you an opinion because so many people loved it but I just I mean I smoked enough of them that just none of them performed um and technically speaking so like I yeah. you know and and I say what say what you want I I and you you might feel free to disagree with me on this stuff. I, I if a cigar doesn't perform you know technically draw specifically draw but even to the extent of construction if it performs well like uh, if it performs terribly in those two areas i i am under i am of the opinion that you don't really get you have no idea what that cigar really tastes like if you're having to relight if i'm having to relight it constantly there's a level of irritation to the point where you're like is it worth it and I think like you, I think a majority of the times you get to the point where you're like, I'm, I feel like I'm smoking my, you know, smoking my lighter right now. Um, just cause it's just, it, it's just getting to the point where it's just, it's not, it's not performing. You can't even, you can't even get anything out of it. And how do you know what you're getting out of it? Cause you're relighting it every couple seconds. Those are those are some of my highlights that I took away from your list. But I, I was I really enjoyed y'all's list this year. I thought it was I thought it was really great. I think you brought attention to a great cigar that just unfortunately unfortunately just not did not get enough attention in my opinion, which was the Alva Maduro. Yeah, I, I don't think it will either. I, I don't think we'll have any. I don't think there'll be any impact on it. Um, which is which is a shame because um, I think it's it's a Maduro that there's a lot of people that I think when people smoke it, they're really impressed by it but they need to try it. Right. Well, um, so the next thing I wanted to talk about Seth was the, um, um, of course the, uh, the, the return of PCA. So last year, obviously um, the PCA trade show was canceled. Like yeah. most of the world um, <laughs> was <laughs> canceled in 2020. And uh, you know, TP actually uh, postponed their their show this year from from earlier in 2021 to there now about 30 40 ish days before the scheduled PCA trade yeah. show to happen. So, um, you know, things seem to be opening back up in a lot of cases. My own state of Texas has has rescinded a lot of uh, a lot you know the uh, the mask ordinance and some other things and things that you know people are starting to get vaccinated obviously and yeah things like that. Do you, I mean, so do you think, uh, I mean, TPE said they're moving forward and PCA has also said the same thing as, but I mean, I mean, they still haven't happened yet. So, I mean, I mean, do you yeah. think, do you think the shows go on as planned now? I think the shows will take place. I don't, I don't know. I won't be at either of them. Um, that was going to be my next question. Why, why yeah. do you know, why are you not planning on attending? Um, I'm, I'm not going to TPE just because I think it's, 
personally, I think it's a mistake right now. I'm not vaccinated and I'm not flying to Las Vegas and potentially exposing myself to COVID-19 over going to TPE. Um, in terms of PCA, you know, I, I still think it's, you know, you know, call me crazy. I still think it's, it's a mistake to be having these things. Um, I'll probably be vaccinated by that time, but I've already, we've, we've already planned our summer. Um, you know, and I, I, I think they're, it's one of these things I'd like to see what, what PCA can, can do after this. Cause I think PCA needs to correct a lot of things. And I think it is struggling right now. And it's one of these things that, you know, I even question if it's even practical for retailers, if it's even, you know, necessary for retailers or if it's a waste of their money. Um, so yeah, I, I won't be attending either of them. So let me ask you this, Seth. if, if PCA goes on as scheduled and it goes along the lines of your prediction, which is, you know, questionable attendance because of the concerned retailers, I don't even think, I don't even think it's the necessarily the, I don't think it's COVID-19 that it's going to keep retailers away. I think it's, no. I think it's going to be more of a business decision. I think, I think PCA is going to keep people away from PCA. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I just don't, it, it, they don't, they, they don't seem to have it figured out and to know what they need to do or what they should do. Because you and I have actually had some very colorful conversations about about the subject of the trade show. And I think, um, you know, you have some really valid opinions and you have some really valid experience, too, um, as well. Um, you know, and so if you could. What's the number one thing that you wish the PCA would change to make to make their show more of a success? Um, I think PCA needs to get manufacturers on board to start thinking about brick and mortar retailers and to make it beneficial and in some ways necessary for retailers to go it needs to not be a party. It needs to be an actual like convention. So how, so what's the, what's the difference there? I mean, for, for people who may maybe not be grasping that. Um, I, I think they need to do a better job of offering, you know, classes at the time that will be, well, you know, it's, it's one of these things that's a circle. The, the problem doesn't lie with one person. There's, there's problems everywhere. Um, I think they need to get manufacturers to say, hey, we're going to have these releases and, you know, it's going to be specifically for, you know, PCA members. Um, that way you're encouraging them to attend the show. Um, and in the process, hopefully expand their collection so that they can meet new manufacturers and give them a shot. Um, that'll benefit manufacturers, which benefits retailers, which benefits, benefits consumers. Um, you know, I think they need to offer better education courses in assisting brick and mortars on 
how to move product and, you know, communicating and doing business in the new world we live in, you know, just kind of advancing and I don't want to say showing progress as a organization in the industry, but, you know, kind of becoming more modernized, I guess you could say. I think I agree to a certain extent there. So because I think that one of the I've been a part of uh, other conventions where uh, there is and, and, and other conferences, too, that have a much more um, value standpoint in terms of like attendees, like them yeah. learning how to progress their own business and everything like that. And 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 maybe I'm just so just dis- maybe I'm disconnected and, and it may not be a fair fair judgment on my part because maybe I'm disconnected from that regard because I don't own a retail shop right I work in one but I don't own a retail shop so maybe yeah. maybe if I did maybe I would have you know a better perspective on that but I've just been attended I've attended other conferences and conventions as I've said where that was that played a much more bigger part of it and there was a lot more I felt like a lot more sharing of ideas and and you know, for an industry that is incredibly close knit of with relationships, right? I mean, there are, there are competitors, uh, there are competitors, um, but they're also really close friends, which is unlike any other industry. And, and, and for, for an industry that's so close knit in that regard to, to not be able to, you know, for, for retailers to not share, like I've seen at other conferences and conventions is to me, is just, it's bizarre considering how close everybody is. Like everybody's friends with everybody for them. I mean, there's a few sour apples here and there, a few beefs here and there, but everyone's so close. And and I just don't see where there's a lot of, of kind of sharing and I have ideas, meeting of the minds and and progression in that regard and maybe that's something that can change like that, that's what i would like to see change personally it's just like i would like to see yeah I, I think it i think it needs to i think it needs to change i mean i think that you know i think that pca needs to get more retailers involved and retail retailers you know you constantly hear about retailers complaining about you know online sites or anything along those lines well you know you you have an association can't you know can't you guys come together as an association and communicate with these these manufacturers and say listen we how can we figure this out that still helps you as do your business and you're successful but also gives brick and mortars equal opportunity and pricing to compete with with online places um, and I know it's, 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 it's complicated and it takes communication and discussions and getting a lot of people involved, but you need to have, you need to have that opportunity and you need to have a place to do it. And hopefully PCA you'd hope could, could provide that opportunity for people. It, I feel, it feels like they're working towards that. It feels like it. I, I, I just, I don't know what that re- looks like because I haven't seen it yet, but it mm-hmm. feels like they're kind of moving that direction. I mean, I hope so. I hope so for, for a lot of people. Um, you know, I hope so for, for brick and mortar establishments. Um, th- that's, you know, that's one of the many things that I think could benefit from a better association or organization. So with news of the vaccine at the top of the year, um, or just before it rather, 
um, and people starting to get vaccinated. And it seems like more and more, I'm seeing more and people on our, my Facebook feed, you know, showing that they're getting vaccinated and everything. And that's, that's certainly, that's certainly a positive. Uh, there's still, you know, there's, I'm not trying to get too political here. I know there's people on both sides of that people who don't want it. And that's, and Oh yeah. Teach their own, um, suppose, but, uh, with, with the vaccine news in, in all cases, I mean, what, what are you looking forward to personally for most to kind of a, a more return to normal or what, what are you looking for? Um, with, with that, man, personally, you know, in some senses going back to a movie theater, I never thought I'd say that, but like, man, I'm looking forward to sitting in a movie theater and watching, watching a movie. Um, as much as I've enjoyed watching some new movies get released and being able to watch directly on, you know, Disney plus or whatever, you know, Amazon, um, It'll be nice to go back to movie theaters. You know, it'll be nice to go back to, you know, the, my lounge of Fields. I just haven't, you know, I, I haven't been handing out in the lounges, um, you know, just out of respect for, for everyone, including my family. Um, I'm trying to be mindful of it. Um, so yeah, just kind of interacting with, with people, person to face to face and going to movies. I hope there's theaters to go back to because I'm, I'm the same thing. I want to, I'm really excited about going back to a movie theater, but I just hope that there's theater standing when this is all over or st or stay. I mean, I, I know they'll be here, you know, later part of this year, but I just don't know if they'll, they'll be around much longer. I mean, they were already kind of going down before this. I know it's in it's, it's yeah. I mean, you got to see Top Gun two and the new James Bond in the movie theater. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, uh, Late last year, the uh, the FDA uh, ruled uh, a huge ruling in the premium cigar industry's favor. Um, from where you sit, do you think this? Is, I mean, obviously, it's a positive because it's a positive for the industry. But do you feel like this opens up the door um, in a positive way for existing brands to start getting more creative again and releasing more product, and potentially for new brands to arise? Um. I think we'll, do I think it offers, I, I think that there's been a lot of brands that have worked to, worked around, worked around the system to create new product without possibly saying creating new product. Um, I'd like to see a, you know, a renaissance again with cigars. Um, Cause I feel like we've kind of been in a lull of, you know, having creativity and a lot of new brands pop up and really good stuff kind of emerge, whether it be new or, you know, existing. Um, so I'd like to see it, you know, at the end of the day, tobacco is, is always going to be fighting an uphill battle. Um, it's, it's almost, it's inevitable. It's just how much time is left. I know that's depressing to say though. It is interesting that you say that because I feel like, uh, so, I mean, I wasn't around for the boom and neither were you in terms of our smoking. Mm -hmm. um, it, but I feel like the, the last 10 years has kind of been a renaissance. I mean, there's been a lot, there's, I mean, you know, you're, you hear, you know, some of your opinions of some cigars, notwithstanding, you know, when you torch a cigar, like we were talking about earlier, but like, I, I've, um, I kind of agree with like, like, like Steve Saka, for example, uh, you know, that there are, 
there aren't really any bad cigars on the market. Like just, just like not worthy of even putting a band on. Like they should not be in a humidor. Like that kind of low and you know that kind of lack of value and lack of quality. Like it just doesn't. To me, it just doesn't exist. Tech, you know, typically there are cigars that don't hit my palate, but they're not terrible cigars. Um, and I feel like from that standpoint, I feel like there's a lot more to be offered. Do, you, do you, I guess you disagree? I think there's some repetition. Um, I think that, um, I think that there, there are some companies that leave brands on the market too long. Um, and they keep, they keep adding. Um, and I, I think when you keep adding that, you know, there's, there's companies that have been around for 20 years and, you know, you, you release three new cigars every year, but you're keeping all the old stuff. There comes a point where the quality is going to diminish. Um, and, and I think that there's this pattern where people are like, Oh, I, I have to do this. Um, but I think that you look at some companies which do it right are the ones that just that they take their time on it and they're not they're not rushing it. And it's listen, if they don't have anything new to release, they don't have anything new to release. And I think it's okay to say, listen, I'm just gonna release some new Vitolas in a line and to keep it to keep it going from there. Um, but I, I you know, I, I look at like this Renaissance almost probably like 11 to 2011 to 2013 where there's a lot of new things and some new companies and you know we've kind of moved in kind of you know i consider it kind of like a little lull in the sense of it's just it's kind of expected about what we're going to get um and i'd like to see some some companies that i like really just branch out and try something really new Has there been anyone that's kind of fit that description for you? That's kind of jumped off the page a little bit. Um, I thought. Well, listen. I mean, a couple of years ago, Espinosa Warzone, I thought was was really fun. I thought that was great to see. You know, Espinosa do this Cameroon release. Um, you know, it's in some ways I, I feel like Davidoff has forgotten who Davidoff is and they've, they've gotten into this, let's make these focus on these limited or, or short run cigars. And rather than focus on like, you know, even like grand crew and some of these older brands. Um, so I think it's just different for, for everyone. Um, but it's, you know, kind of focus on how you got there or in some cases what else can we do have we you know some people i think need to get back to the path and some people need to to go wandering in the woods i guess okay well seth this is our last question of the night and uh, i i always take this time to always thank my guests i really really appreciate your time i mean you know even COVID or not you know sunday nights are always family time and so for you to kind of, you know, sit down with me for a few hours and, and, uh, and talk about, uh, talk about your, uh, your love of Habanos in this case and some other topics has uh, yeah, just been really great. So I, I cannot thank you enough for setting some time aside for me to, to, to talk to me, uh, and share with my audience, your thoughts and your expertise on, uh, on a, you know, a really interesting area uh, when it comes to this, uh, the premium cigar industry. Yeah, man. Absolutely. 
So uh, the last question of the night, of course, is always our curveball segment and is introducing our the newest uh, sponsor to LLS Fumar Takes, Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. So the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust curveball segment, fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. Five consecutive years in the consensus top three. Yeah, I looked it up. So here it is. And I'm going to share my screen on this because I think uh, this is – a little uh, something fun. So I was looking back at some memories and I saw something on your feed from a year ago and I thought about it throughout the year and then it came up one year later and <laughs> here it is. There you go. Uh, you shared, you shared this, this, uh, I don't want to call it a meme, but this, you shared this, this, uh, this graphic a year ago. So first time in history, we can save the human race by laying in front of the TV and doing nothing now, the part of this, which was for two weeks, because at the time it was just two weeks. <laughs> yes. So in lying in front of the TV for two weeks and doing nothing, let's not screw this up. So it obviously wasn't two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it has been an entire year plus now. So we're going into one year plus of uh, the COVID era of the human race. Um, so here's my question for you knowing that you've looked back on the year and knowing that you posted this and how would you have prepared differently? And looking back at you actually wow. posting this now, how do you, how do you obviously didn't age well, but how do you feel it aged and how do you feel you would have done to prepare differently knowing where we are 365 plus days later? How would I have prepared differently for, for COVID-19? Um, man, that's a tough question. I don't know how, you, how I'd prepare for it again. Um, wow, that's tough, man. That's a really tough, that's a curveball question. Probably prepare more for understanding you know, we live in a society now where everything is readily available and we expect things all the time. And um, <clears throat> we never slow down that I think to prepare for it would start slowing down or preparing, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you slow down the world and keep your sanity when you live in a city and you really can't you're really not supposed to really go anywhere and you also have a family. So it's thinking about, you know, prepping for more family activities. <laughs> that's what I'd say within my own property um, in my own house. That's, that's what I would, that's what I would do differently. I would have bought stock in Netflix. Yeah. That, <laughs> what was it? The zoom, zoom, zoom yeah. and Netflix, zoom, Netflix. Amazon. I couldn't afford Amazon stock before. So that's kind of like, I can't afford it now, especially now, but um, oh gosh, it must've, I, I'm sure I could pull it up what, what it was before and what it is now, but it's just, it's crazy. But I mean, and that's the thing about it. You, you have to look at, you know, when you're, you know, when, once the thing got going, I don't know why, but for a while there, I was stocking up on you know, non-Cuban cigars of brands that I like, liked, I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm, when I'm ever going to be able to get these again or what the hell is going to go on. So you just, I, I was stocking up on like, 
illusiones and a lot of other stuff. Um, and you're like, yeah, I guess, I guess I didn't really need to do that, but oh well, here <laughs> I am. Did your smoking go up or stay the same? Um, I think it went, it, it probably, um, purchasing went up for a while. I've never had a, like a problem. I, I mean, my smoking probably has increased a little bit, but it's never, nothing like dramatic. I'm still not to the, like, you know, yes, I work from home, but I'm still not, there's still a part of me that I can't, you know, I'm not going to just go like light up a cigar and smoke more throughout the day um but purchasing went up i think and then smoking probably increased and it's probably decreased probably just do more normal smoking pattern for about the first month and a half my smoking went way down yeah way down uh, uh and to a certain to a certain extent almost I mean, almost non-existent, at least in comparison, right? Mm-hmm. And and then all of a sudden, I was like, "What the? You know, what am I waiting for?" <laughs> exactly. What, what... Yeah, like, and uh, and then I just started. I just started enjoying cigars again, and it was it was God. It was just it was wonderful. It was like as almost like I was re I was rediscovering it all over again. Yeah, it's you know, it's and I kept going through you know, it was, it was probably just, we were just, we were doing a lot of reviews and, and still putting those numbers out. So I was still smoking those. Um, but you know, like we usually go to the beach and we have like these, you know, family vacations in the summertime. And I usually take those times and that's where I smoke a lot of stuff that like, I love that I haven't smoked in a while or just like stuff that I just want to smoke on vacation. So I feel like I have a lot of vacation cigars that have just been sitting around. Um, waiting waiting for me to to smoke them when i'm like out of town and i'm not going to cigar shops or anything like that well seth again i can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to sit down with me this evening it was a really engaging really fun really good conversation really enjoy really enjoy this topic you know overall like i think it's a i think it's an important one i think the insight that you bring to it specifically is just uh is really really unique um and i just really appreciate the time that you take to to sit down with me i really appreciate it oh absolutely man it's people gotta listen smoke a lot of stuff out there sometimes you're not gonna like it sometimes you're gonna love it but it's good just to smoke all different types of tobacco just to get an understanding of tobacco absolutely well everyone out there really appreciate my audience tonight uh really appreciate this uh this particular subject uh and um really just appreciate all those likes shares and comments uh keep checking us out on our youtube page if you are ls mark don't forget to hit the subscribe button also check out a calendar of upcoming guests which will be coming out uh later this week on on ls fumar's facebook page uh, that's where you're watching us right now so it should be easy to find uh you can always hit the like button as well turn those alerts on notifications always a good thing uh you can stay up to date on all the upcoming guests here on los fumar takes um really uh really excited to have um some guests that we have uh, coming up over the next few weeks the uh the the we the uh i can't uh, can't seem to speak but i'm really excited to actually have next week from our 160 162nd take um man that'll I'll, I'll be keeping up uh 
jokingly, uh, jokingly but not jokingly aside, uh, past his bedtime, Jack Tarano, Vespinoza Cigars. We talked about oh, Vespinoza a couple of times. So Jack will be on. Really excited to have him. It'll be my first time on my show. And uh, I mean, what a what an incredible history that his family has in the cigar industry and his own experience will be something that oh, I yeah. definitely want to check out. So that'll be next week on the 28th. It'll be take 162. Uh, be sure if, if you are listening to this, uh, this show, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or iHeartRadio, or every list of podcasts, be sure you hit that download, subscribe, and review button. If you are a subscriber, please unsubscribe, but please don't forget to resubscribe. That helps me with my numbers so I can get great guests like Seth to come back and visit me from time to time. Uh, this was a great time. To think. So thank you for everyone out there who, uh, who stayed with us tonight. This was our 160. First take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Euless, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplissy. As always, he's Seth Geis. And guess what, everyone? We'll see you next time.